podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Good evening and welcome to episode 392 of Film Bastards. I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Becky Foster, hello everybody. And... Ian Loring, hello. And we're also joined by... Hodan Magrath. I don't know why I put myself in a Spanish accent, but hey... Uh, yeah, we are joined by John McGrath of his film, Her Movie, uh, who just celebrated this... Spaniard himself... Sorry. Yeah. You just celebrated your yeah, 50th nice episode, I believe, John. Sorry? You just celebrated your 50th episode, I believe? We have. Uh, we're on to 51 now. But, I mean, it, it took us about two years to do 50 episodes, but um, we took most of 2020 off. Uh, <laughs> didn't really plan to, but that's the way it worked. So, yeah, I, 50 I, episodes. I, I think if you'd planned to do anything in 2020... <laughs> It wouldn't have come off, so you might as well have just taken a bit of time off. I think that was the case, but we know we're, we're back at it now. Um, two episodes in two weeks, and the other one getting recorded at the weekend. Very cool, very cool, very cool. And so we've got John on from his film, Her Movie, which of course is another We Are Pod Syndicate podcast. So you can check out other shows on there, including The Rewatch Project, Chinsworth versus Punter, The Iron Sequel, uh, which I believe both me and Ian are going to be coming up on future episodes. I fucking um, hope so. If, J- if James is actually like, yeah, I'm down for that. My God, man. My God. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else is on there? What else we got on there? What the podcast we got, Becky? What have I forgotten? I don't know. Do you not know the quiz? <laughs> Becky, I don't know. <laughs> it's very intense when you're, when you're podcasting with him. He just stares at you when he's speaking. It's freaky. <laughs> yeah. The Rewatch Project, we've got... Um, I think that's around about it. I think, I think, I think that, that's currently it. Plus all of the, the plethora of bonus shows we have. So go out there, listen to shit, go watch our YouTube, go do all the bits around what we do. But while Yeah, you this, fucking cunts! <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't have one review, do we? No, that'd be fucking it fabulous. Is, it's an introduction delivered like a knife to the throat. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have two reviews, do we? No, no, fuck that shit. Three reviews. We're hitting you in the face with some chaos walking, some Godzilla versus Kong, and the Empty Man because we all watched it. Didn't plan to review it, but we all watched it. So fuck it. Why not? Plus your usual what we've been watching uh, and trailers because there is some because we're back in the floor uh, and yeah, 
with the tangents and bits and bobs. Ian, what's been the news this week? Fuck. Um, Bridgerton man is leaving Bridgerton. Yep. Page? Reggie John Page? I should know his name. Re- 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 René Jean Page? Is that his name? Or Jean René Page? It's, it's one of the uh, other. I think asking yeah. me to try and say people's names is a bad idea. <laughs> well, okay, Bridgerton man, as he'll henceforth be known, is leaving Bridgerton, which has caused some shockwaves. And he started. I like that he is going. Fuck it, I want to have a film career. You know, like no, I want to be in films. So it's going to be in the Dungeons and Dragons film, being written and directed by the guys who did Game Night. Really looking forward to that. Um, he's in the new, uh, the Grey Man, I want to call it, the uh, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans Netflix film, and he's being rumoured for Bond to the extent that I want to say Betway has suspended betting on him. Now, we were talking about this in our in our WhatsApp group, uh, uh, boy chat thing earlier on. Apologies, Becky. Um. And uh, Mike brought it up, I think. That's why. Yeah. Is Mike in that? Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, no excuse then, Mike, you fucker. Um, and I haven't seen Bridgerton. Um, Bridgerton correspondent Donna Loring uh, reliably informs me that he is, quote, a first trap, but he would not get me to watch Bond. But I think a lot of folks who watch Bridgerton would watch a Bond with him in. And I think you would get a lot more ethnically diverse audience watching Bond if he was in it, uh, if he was Bond as well. He is young. Uh, He was probably still relatively cheap in terms of leading men. And this is an interesting one. Um, George, as a noted TV watcher, has Bridgerton passed your eyeballs? It hasn't. It's probably not one of those which um, I would watch. However, the one thing I like, people said he's leaving Bridgerton. Now, the way that I've I've read it is, one, his character had an arc and he sort of ended at at the end of the season. And two, he is not in any of the other books. So therefore, he wouldn't be in the following seasons. And I think the only thing I keep in people wanted him to stay there was because of the thirst factor. It was like he was the big thing from that first season and they wanted to continue. But maybe in the story that they're telling, he's not needed anymore. But regarding Bond, I can see it. The one thing that I think is going for them if they do choose him, is that he he is young, so they could easily get five bonds, six bonds out of him before he really does become um, too old for the role. Yeah. But but it might be the fact if it just it's like now I've forgot her name, the uh, Doctor Who. Um, uh, Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker. It might just be a a, a door opener. Therefore, he'll be there, he'll do a couple, and then that'll open the door. That takes the discussion away of um, Bond being somebody of 
differing ethnicity, um, and we can just go, we can just sort of wipe that slate clean. It's been done. Now let's move forward. Yeah. Um, but as for his acting style or his talent, I haven't really seen it. I've seen clips of Bridgerton when he's been on stuff like the Graham Norton show or things like that, but I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, it's um, I'm I'm fairly sure Mark and Bex haven't seen Bridgerton either. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm I'm here for it to an extent, and it seems like he's booking the right kind of roles to be like somebody of the stature to do this. So, you know, fair play. We'll see what happens. It's been more interesting choice than Tom Hardy, I'd say that. Um. Also, um, this looks relatively breaking. Um, another Paramount film is sold to Amazon uh, following uh, Coming to America and re- uh, Without Remorse. Uh, the Chris Pratt starring The Tomorrow War is going to be uh, on Amazon Prime uh, July 2nd. Uh, Amazon have bought it for 200 million. Um, Paramount being pretty fucking smart with their selling shit, you know, and it's interesting what they're selling and what they're not selling. Um, you know, we, we, we shall see if there's any quality connections, uh, in that regard. But, um, yeah, this is, uh, Chris Pratt, um, uh, in the tomorrow war, the world is stunned when a group of time travelers arrive from the year 2051 to deliver an urgent message. 30 years in the future, mankind is losing a global war against a de- deadly alien species. The only hope for survival is for soldiers and civilians from the present to be transported to the future and join the fr- fight. Among them recruited is high school teacher and family man uh, Dan, played by Chris Pratt. Determined to save the world for his young daughter, he teams up with a brilliant scientist and his estranged father in a desperate quest to rewrite the fate of the planet. Um, being directed by the guy who directed the Lego Batman movie, Chris McKay. Um, yeah, I mean, bit of a shame that an original sci-fi action film is just being sold to streaming. But at the same time, I bet Paramount are fucking thrilled that they don't have to um, lay out for the marketing expense on this and they still get $200 million. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> you know. Is there much more and to has, say? <laughs> has the heat subsided on Chris Pratt? Yes. Um, I mean, I still watch a set. I'm recommend rewatching Parks and Rec at the moment. Still love the guy, but I think his time in the sun is a coming to an end. I think it's yeah. I think it it, it, it it's pretty much gone. It seems like like you said, like you said it Paramount looked like they've gone. Oh, we can't be asked dealing with the is Chris Pratt cancelled kind of idea. Mm. <laughs> it it doesn't necessarily seem that he. I don't know. He's, he's he, I don't think he's actually done anything cancelable. I think people just don't like him. He he likes his religion, and I think there's been a little bit of scuttlebutt about his feelings towards. Um. Uh, I, there's something in my head saying he's made some comments about uh, trans people before, but that might be that might be me conflating it with something else. There was there was some something that he said that some folks weren't happy about a while back. But the thing is, because films haven't really been coming out that much, 
celebrities haven't been getting interviewed as much and they haven't been saying as many stupid things. Yeah. So even the, the, the mildly not even stupid, just the, I wonder what he meant there. <laughs> he's been turning to, this is an outrage. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's married. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is his fucking father-in-law. Yeah. He, you know, he's got franchises. I mean, the, the Jurassic World franchise, like him being in them, will probably end with Nate's cheers. You, I, I mean, the Guardians <laughs> films is an interesting one because Guns said... Like he sees it as a trilogy, and then what happens from there? And it's like, again, I mean, like, has the heat ever so slightly gone out off of the Guardians of the Galaxy as well? It, it, yeah, it might be that, but also it's like he hasn't really headlined any. Well, the only original one regarding where I think he was touted as like the earliester is Passengers, and it, if I remember correctly, that was a bit of a financial failure. Like you've got to think, really, the only big blockbusters that he's been in is Jurassic World films, which are always going to be um, successful. Avengers and Guardians, they're just three franchises which are going to make money if he's in them or not. Mm. Yeah, I think Passages was one of those where it, it just about made its money. I think the biggest thing about Passages was... Pratt actually very nearly backed out of it when he found out that uh, he was getting paid more than uh, Jennifer Lawrence, didn't he? That's fucking ridiculous. Because he, because he really? basically said, yeah, he, he, he basically said, I'm backing out because she's an Oscar winner and he's more bankable than me. Why am I getting paid more than her? And so they had to put it at parity with them. And he commented, he say, saying, I don't get it. It's hard, it's hard enough for women in that, well, most industries to fucking get by but for jennifer lawrence to be getting paid less than chris pratt i mean i get that he had a hot summer i i want to say jurassic world and guardians of the galaxy i think might have been the same year um yeah yeah, so but i mean jennifer lawrence is jennifer lawrence for and that that was like jennifer lawrence at at the height of her powers also yeah yeah quite even though God, still makes me laugh that Jennifer Lawrence basically took all her cachet. It was like, right, what's the film that you want to, like, develop yourself and whatnot? I don't know, Red Sparrow? The most complicated wank film Hollywood has made in the last decade. <laughs> it, it was a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah. I still quite enjoyed it, though. Yeah. If, um... yeah. Oh, Red Sparrow. Red Sparrow is a good film. Yeah. With, with, it's with a, Charlotte Rampling playing the most Charlotte Rampling of, of roles ever. <laughs> like, literally, when they went, right, who should we cast in this? It basically just, the world shouted Charlotte Rampling at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it, it's... it. Black Widow's going to be interesting, because it kind of feels like there are elements of that that feel very Red Sparrow-y. Mm. Um, I'm kind of, like, this... Even I think it might be a Marvel thing already, but this red room thing, which that apparently that's in Black Widow. That sound, what was the name of the fuck the room in the bloody Fifty Shades? The red room. It was the red room. Yeah. Wow, we there's yeah. a there's a crossover. <laughs> you know what? I'd be more interested in that than any of the Marvel movies that are currently slated. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Widow. Yeah. Just, just some like, paradox thing where 
Doctor Strange opens up a room and goes, go into there. And she goes in and just fucking Christian Grey is just there going, hello. Uh, did, 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 did you arrange for her to join? Because I am, I, I'm all for this. Damn Neil, bitch. <laughs> Can you imagine? I don't think she would. I still, I still, though, still want to know. What? Still want to know who fucking put the poster up. Maybe he did it. No, I want to know the reasoning behind it. <laughs> I feel like we've run out of juice on the Tomorrow War. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other news, Ian? Um, I don't know. Award season stuff keeps on happening. The BAFTAs, uh, right. I'm just going to say this and I'm going to leave it. The fact that Noel Clark is getting some sort of special contribution to British Cinema Award at the BAFTAs at the weekend is a fucking joke. If you want to celebrate people of colour in the British film industry, there's prob- literally probably about 100 people you could you could go for before Noel Clark. Noel Clark's services to Sky One. On original programming, yeah, give him an award for bulletproof, <laughs> I suppose. But no, like, f- what the fuck? Like, not it's right. The two special awards are Noel Clark and Ang Lee. I bet Ang Lee's like. So who's getting the other one then? Noel Clark. Who? <laughs> Did you say Larry Clark? <laughs> no, Noel Clark. Noel Coward. It's <laughs> honestly that. Fucking embarrassing. Like I, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying that I don't hate Noel Clark. It's just like, was he just of like the the sixty first person you asked, and all the others declined because they wanted to do it in person? Absolutely, one hundred percent. He's exactly that. Fucking hell. He seems to have an odd thing with BAFTA, where they seem to really like him. <laughs> I don't know, man. Just. I, I will say this, I've actually met Noel Clark on two occasions. <laughs> and although Ian, I agree with your point entirely, I met Noel Clark on two occasions and both times he was absolutely lovely. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, you know, I'm sure he's a sweetheart and it's not, I'm not criticising him in the slightest. It's just Jesus Christ, BAFTA. It, like, the weird thing is, he was, he was like seriously hot shit. Like, like the big fucking new thing, like the big new thing of British cinema um, in like what 2009 2010 yeah that sounds right 231 came out and kidulthood that, that was 2006 so that was 15 years ago and he wrote kidulthood and adulthood I think was it yeah yeah and we yeah. added the wardrobe <laughs> 4321 was decent he directed that didn't he he didn't he, just write it, it it was fine it, it was fun it was a little bit pervy at points but mm-hmm. um i remember it being fun enough uh yeah i i yeah and he is a little bit of a one-man industry and I, I i respect that but it's just i i what i don't know what has he done lately that would actually lead to that i yeah i, I don't yeah, know I, but, but again it's buffed so it's British Academy of Film and Television, and therefore he was on one of the staples of British TV for five years in Doctor Who. I I swear it's contribution to British cinema, though. Ah, right, okay. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, if he was getting outstanding contribution to British TV, I'd buy it more. Anyway, I you know, I, I, I don't mean to be a dick about it. It's just, yeah. He was, right. he was in SAS Red Notice, the Sky original. Wow, shit. I mean, he, he, give, he, he, he is very much Sky's boy. He is. And yet, this ba- the BAFTAs. I will say, it's cool that the BAFTAs are actually going to be live on BBC One this year. Are they? Yeah. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. That, 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 well, that's 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 the improvement at least. I guarantee you, next year when people can actually be there, they'll change their mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, we're doing, we're doing it on a thirty-two minute delay. Why? Why not? <laughs> what if people uh, swear? Yeah, I would just love that live. Just come out and just go, just 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 start just shouting obscenities. See how I think you know you know we started after nine anyhow, didn't you? Yeah, I mean that because that's it was yeah it was after the watershed, but they also cut it down this year. They're doing some of it on Saturday, like the more below the line awards. Apparently, they're just going to announce them on Saturday. Yeah, it's like over and, two days, isn't it? Yeah, and <laughs> and which feels insanely insulting. I mean, yeah. if um, your worst. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> you know this pinnacle of your career, yeah, it ain't even good enough for a fucking Sunday in lockdown, you pricks. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, if if they want to do the big awards over two hours or something like that. Just say, look, the actual ceremony starts at five. It's on iPlayer. And then from seven till nine, it will be like primetime on BBC One. And we'll do the big ones then. But then at least because it just it it feels like you are. Yeah, you are just saying everything on the Saturday night doesn't really matter. It's more a fucking warm up act. Yeah, it it, it is a little bit like all of those things that, that they've been doing about saying we need to. You know, we need to raise funds. We need to raise awareness for all the crews that do all the work behind the scenes who have been really badly affected by this because they're the most important part. They're as important as everything else. And they're the heartbeat of the film industry. But they can't they can come out on a Sunday. They cannot come out on a Sunday because they have to be ready to work at 6 a.m. on a Monday. <laughs> this is it's serious fucking shit. It's it's a shame, but hey, there's only two and a half weeks of award season left. Um, I will say it's, it was interesting as well in terms of like Oscar watch. Um, the SAG Awards at the weekend uh threw a bit of a spanner in the works where um the trial of the Chicago Seven won best ensemble, and the the kind of the thinking was well if Minari won that then. Like Nomad Land may well have some competition at the Oscars. Instead, Trial of the Chicago Seven, no one is tipping one. Um, Viola Davis also won Best Actress as well, which um, you know it, it seems to have spiced things up a bit as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Baftas because Carrie Mulligan had been getting quite a lot of heat, but it kind of seems like that's dying down a little bit now. But well, we'll, you know, we'll see. She's probably going to win Best Actress at the at the Baftas, you know. If if she doesn't, that, that's definitely telling. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Like I say, two and a half weeks till the Oscars, and then Cannes in July, and then it will start spinning around again. So, uh, I think that's probably it news wise, though. 
Did you see the um, Hollywood Reporter? I mean, obviously, it was last week's news regarding the Knives Out sequels and Netflix, but the Hollywood Reporter article today that's saying that Ryan Johnson, Daniel <laughs> Craig, and Ryan Johnson's producing partner are uh, looking to basically all make $100 million from these sequels each. And it's just like, they're making out like bandits. Do you know what I fucking... Sorry. It's, it's a little bit mad because they're going to... It, it, it seems like Netflix will release these in cinemas. It, it, it's yeah. the thing is that, that that they're putting out it, it the feelers for it. I think that they're going to release them in cinemas, but it's just it's just a bit mad. This <laughs> it, it just I can't you know it, 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 this is my the simulation <laughs> proving itself yeah. thing this week. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I just don't understand it. <laughs> it's money that you cannot conceive of. Hmm. I, you know, it, it's that is monopoly money. You know, it, it's that whole it's that whole thing about how, um, you know, you hear about five people dying in a car accident and it really affects you. But hearing that 2000 people died in an earthquake and it just doesn't like it, it's like the more the numbers go up, the the less real these things feel. It's the same with these numbers. It's like, where are, Net- where are Netflix getting this from? I mean, I suppose it's, you know, in the long term, the more original content they have, the less licensing costs they have to pay. And they, frankly, need some franchise competition against Disney+. Plus. I, I think Disney+, Plus has got Netflix fucking terrified, um, it is, is what it is. Um, but these, I mean, Ryan Johnson must just be like, you know, two years ago, all I was doing was dealing on Twitter with fucking like Last Jedi haters, and now I've got more money than God. Yeah. The other one there to look at is the madness of Daniel Craig seems to accidentally end up being like one of the highest earning actors of all time. Well, yeah, because I mean, he's like been earning what 40, 40 50 yeah. million pound a picture. He doesn't want to do them anymore. <laughs> the, the, the thing, he, he will have so much more fun doing these than he ever has had on Bond. You know, yeah. he gets to do a funny accent. He gets to stand around and talk. And I bet, at, like, when they're done shooting, he has the best dinners with, like, the other cast, with the cast and crew. Yeah. Uh, do you know what, 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 what would make me laugh? It's literally, if you just, if they went, do you know what? Let's do the next one. <laughs> But let's have him turn up and just have a completely fucking different accent. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing is, in general, I, I, I'm really looking forward to these movies. I really oh, yeah. loved Knives Out and I can't wait for the sequels. But it's just like, that film was budgeted at $40 million. The maths baffles I, I mean, me. It, it came in under as well. I mean, it's it's fascinating, you know, because apparently there was a bit of a bidding war on, on it between Apple, Amazon and Netflix. So... You 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 wonder if that if there wasn't that war that what what it would have sold at but you know you know you know though that literally like two days after the fucking what is it um like it was announced that Netflix had got it they realised that Apple's bid had gone into the fucking junk mail or something like that if it, yeah. if it had been on Amazon it had launched on like April the second but you wouldn't have been able to find it until like April the twelfth or something. No. Even if you specifically it, search it. Yeah. It's impressive that Netflix outbid Apple. You know, like you, you would have thought 
even though then again Apple were probably like 350 million Zar Kappa you know or something like that it's yeah it's it's silly money but like I mean it it's it's such a, a nice not ending for Ryan Johnson but the next chapter for him you know that like he seems to be a genuinely nice guy he made one of if not the most interesting Star Wars film which I say every time but it's my penance I was insanely wrong about that film when it first came out um and now you know he's had to deal with all that shit he wrote and directed knives out as a fucking palate cleanser and now he's got his own franchise making so much more money than he ever fucking would have doing another star wars trilogy because i'm assuming that's i'm assuming that's just quietly cancelled and good right. for him. If if I was him, I wouldn't be fucking bothered. Why the fuck am I going to earn a good amount of money but dealing with all this shit when I can fucking own my own franchise about shit that I want to do, like smart whodunits, and just make all the money and live my w- life with my film podcaster wife? Good for him. And, that, and, yeah, and, he, and, that, I, and he's filming sorry. in Greece. He's, you know, he, he's smart enough to go fucking. I bloody, I wrote a film that was set in winter Boston last time round. Fuck that noise of Greece. Fuck it. Let's go to Hawaii. You know, I, good, good for you, Ryan Johnson. Jesus Christ. And that's it. To have complete creative control, which I think has already been agreed that literally he's, he's the the big dog. It, it, and he's got a minimum budget guarantee of $40 million. The yeah. film, like, he cannot have less than $40 million from Amazon. And I bet I bet the Greek authority is going to be giving them tax breaks up the fucking wazoo. Oh, yes. Trailers, guys. There's a few. There is, there is a few. Ian, what have you got? Uh, okay, so Giacoppola's uh, mainstream... Um, yeah. Andrew Garfield and uh, my, pardon me, Maya Hawke. Um, little bit worried that it's not going to have much more to say than the trailer makes it out to. Um, but we'll see. I think Andrew Garfield makes some really interesting choices. Let's see how it goes on that one. Yeah, it's very much like Andrew Garfield seems to be able to play a very good douchebag, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm kind of down for that. <laughs> uh, I like the fact that he literally now posts on Spider-Man and everything like that just fucking stays well out of the media and everything like that and then just crops up in something quite cool every now and again but this does look like it could be teeth itching I'm a, I'm a little a, wary it's, Sorry, it's a Coppola vibe isn't it? it's, it's another Coppola going into the um, sort of nowadays society uh ideals it's like for example like we're talking about like the bling ring trailer the film doesn't really say much more regarding what was said in the trailer but that film is fantastic i just think they have a nice way of just penetrating their own culture their own age group so hopefully i hold high hopes for it just because i mean i like i like palo alto quite a bit i i, I quite like palo alto actually I thought it was quite. It, it, it was. It was interesting. I won't. Yeah. It's not something I ever watch again. But at the time, I was like, you know what? That's fine. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, second trailer for Cruella. 
I, the trailer finished, I turned you didn't have X and said, I still don't know what the fuck it's about. <laughs> I, it, it seems to be like the devil wears Prada if Emily, Bl- uh, not Emily Blunt, fucking um, Anne Hathaway was Emma Stone. Yeah, but it, I, the thing is, everything about it, I'm all right with. I can about work it all out, roughly kind of like what the vibe and everything's going for. Apart from this one thing that makes me go, but wait a minute. And the but wait a minute is, but wait a minute, it's a Disney film. Mm. Yes, it's an odd vibe for a Disney movie. It's really odd. I said to you, it, it feels like it's it's got like a bit of a Catwoman uh, arc vibe, doesn't it? Like she's the meek kind of assistant by day and then she's this dark thing by night. But then it's, I don't know, it's a Disney film. How dark can it get? Exactly, yeah. Watch well, it come out, it'll come out with a fucking NC-17 rating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll 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 see. It's you know, Craig Gillespie's directed it, I think, and he's yeah. interesting. So, I I just I they're fucking they're gonna if this is successful, they're gonna do another 101 Dalmatians with her as Cruella, aren't they? Oh yeah, without question. Yeah. It's almost like that. That's the idea. It's like at the end of it, Gary Oldman's gonna come up to her. And just be like, got another dog for you. They've got a, a taste for the theatrical. And they left this, and there's just a playing card. And he turns it. She turns it over. It's a Dalmatian, and she's just like, oh, look into it. And then it will end. I think Ian's spot on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else we got? You got any books? Not only that I've watched my own now. Uh, we got together, together. Yeah. Anyone else seen this trailer? No. No. Uh, basically, it seems like Ed Helms has um, got a surrogate to carry his child uh, because he has no partner. Um, and then they form like a bond of friendship. Yeah, it just seems a bit fucking sappy. It does seem a little bit sappy. Yeah. It does. Um it's one of those where I don't think I'll ever watch it because I've watched the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can you can predict without watching it exactly what's going to happen at the end. So what's the fucking point? A little bit, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what else have we got? Has anyone seen the trailer for Percy versus Goliath? <laughs> That's nope. a made-up film. Right, it's Christopher Walken. It's called Percy versus Goliath, and it is not a comedy. Hmm. Wait, I actually think I know this story. Is yeah. it with um? Is it with Zach Braff? Yes, I've heard about this. It actually sounds quite interesting. Yeah, it's it, it's about the idea of one of the um. It, it's loosely based on the real story of. Um, one of the big American um, farming companies. Basically, they GM'd um, the grain seed. Mm. But then anybody, because you used to, you kept your own seeds and you replanted them, and that's how farming worked. Yeah. Well, they GM'd the seeds and then copyrighted the seeds, so they owned the seeds. So that if you reused your seeds, 
you were technically using their intellectual property. So you couldn't do it. So what you had to do is you had to farm it, then send your seeds to them and then rebuy your own seeds. And this is the story of one of the farmers who just basically went, no, mm. I'm not going to fucking do that. Uh, so it's it's a little bit like that like Dark Waters kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Like that. It's a really interesting story. I think it was it was covered briefly in, uh, there was a documentary about it about five or six years ago. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I think it was Food Inc. I think it was actually, it's, it's in, there's a big segment yeah, about it in Food Inc. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite interested. It, it's got, it's got Netflix Thursday night written all over it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Chris Walken in, in, in anything is, is always going to be fun. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, a weird like 40 second clip from uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife to kind of remind everybody that, hey, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Like, they, nothing really caused the, the, the release of that, hey? It just appeared. Yeah. I think they've all been a YouTube <laughs> channel, and that yeah. was the first video on a YouTube channel. Hey guys, don't forget how much you like Paul Rudd. Well, literally, it, it was like, like literally they went like somebody in the PR thing went, hey, it's Paul Rudd's birthday today, and they went, right, get get get, get something out there now, and they went, ah, oh, I'm about to go home. Can I do it tomorrow? And you go, ah, fuck it, yes. <laughs> it's it it, it 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 doesn't make sense to clip. <laughs> no, but I did quite enjoy it. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of worried that this movie is just going to be absolute fucking garbage. I'm quite excited for it. If I didn't know that Jason Reitman had previously said, uh, like I'm paraphrasing, but if you see me directing a Ghostbusters film, then you know I fucked up. Then I I I I don't think I'd be as worried. But it just it absolutely fucking reeks of my career stalling a bit. I've got a connection to this this franchise and I can maybe lean into the oh you didn't like an all woman one here you go here's some eight like uh, stranger things esque nostalgia stuff for you instead eh you like it, that don't it is, you it is literally like they've gone right they didn't like the woman one what can we get that is the universally most liked thing in the film world that nobody can dislike Paul Rudd. <laughs> and that, yeah, yeah. I, I, I it's a bit of a shame, though, because, like, Jason Reitman's career, yeah, I think it has faltered, but only commercially, because Young Adult is brilliant. Like, really, I, I love Young Adult, and I like Tully. Um, Labor Day... I don't think I've seen it, but that's with um, Kate Winslet. And... Uh, what I would say there, John, is I, I very much agree with you on Young Adult. Um, and uh, I like Tully, but Labour Day was was, was bad. Men, men <laughs> women, and children was an absolute garbage fire as well. Oh, yes, it was, yes. He's he he's a properly mixed bag, is Jason Ryman. It's just the fact that it feels like such a career move, and it doesn't necessarily feel like it's coming from a place of love. The Paul Feig one, that that was coming from a place of love. Uh, I you know, I, I 
it may it may well be great and fair enough but yeah i mean i'm i'd, I'd be worried if i was more connected to ghostbusters it's, it's such an odd one yeah, yeah. it's such a, it's gonna be gonna be interesting the thing is i will happily go and see it in the cinema but it's not one that i've been going oh my god why does ghostbusters keep on getting delayed no no <laughs> uh what else we got um those who wish me dead it's a bit of mark nip this isn't it jesus christ very much is um mark nip this isn't it uh yeah i mean taylor sheridan um uh, i've been a fan of everything he's done uh if i watched tv stuff i would probably watch yellowstone um but instead i'm just gonna assume it's very good uh it's where kelly wiley's been for years you see, that's another thing that's making me go, why aren't you watching this, Mark? Um, but it's Tyler Sheridan. Uh, so Taylor Sheridan um, and Tyler Perry's in there. So, Tyler! Yeah. Excuse me? <clears throat> Tyler Perry's in it? Yeah. Is he playing Alex Cross? I hope so. <laughs> oh, that, see, just, just if, if there's anybody, I know there isn't, but if there's anybody from Netflix, right, who has a little bit of the excess cash that you were going to spend on Knives Out, just throw it Tyler Perry's way and get him to do another Alex Cross movie. Yep. It was, yep. Oh, that, that was the franchise that maybe the world didn't need, or the world didn't deserve, but film bastards did. Yep. <laughs> we genuinely loved that movie. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolute mark at this. Yeah, it's Taylor Sheridan. He hasn't really. He, 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 sorry, going back. I'm not a big Jolie fan. No. But I, I but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust in Sheridan here. Hmm. I don't know that. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be some fucking bleakness in this. It's going to be incredibly bleak. There is, and then he rounds out his uh, his trailer with fucking Johnny Cash, doesn't he, as well? So. Yeah. Yeah. You're watching it going, going. there's a part of you, you, you can sense that people will be going to the cinema there, sort of going, oh, it's, gonna, it's this great sort of like struggle, and then it's going to be like this, this power ending of her defeating everything. It's like, no, everybody's going to fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> well, Including you know the kid. Especially the kid. I've just realised that Taylor Sheridan um, has wrote that without remorse film with yeah. michael b jordan yeah did not it know co- that yeah and it's directed by the guy who did, who did sicario 2 as well yeah like I, I i think that thing could be a low-key banger without remorse i'm quite looking forward to that it was yeah i think that was without remorse was the script that he essentially right he Agreed to the script if they give him the money to make Wind River. That's bleak. I mean, yeah. <laughs> They're all quite bleak. Uh, and then finally, the final trailer, the, the, the big one, the big confusing one, Space Jam, A New Legacy. <laughs> it is chaotic, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It is, it is chaotic. See, I've not seen the original, so I don't know what I'm comparing it to. My thing with the original Space Jam is, A, 
it's nowhere near as good as people would like to remember it is. It, it's fine. Mm. And B, it's fine because of Bill Murray. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll do a little bit of what we've been watching now. Last night I watched Space Jam. Go on. <laughs> um, by myself. Uh, Lottie had no interest in it whatsoever, but it's on Netflix and it was leaving Netflix in the next couple of weeks. So I was like, well, I better watch it then. <laughs> uh, um, and Mark's right. That like Bill Murray being in that film is crazy. You know? Apparently it was because he wanted to meet Michael. Um, so, yeah, yep. and he, he does some really good improv in that. Um, some really, really good improv. Um one of his one of his things for getting it was that he never had to pay to get into another NBA game in his life. <laughs> yep. And they agreed. He's got to a it. special card. Literally, like I think it is basically like that. Like they have to provide him with a rings a courtside seat for any game that he wants to go to. Fair enough then. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's and that's the thing. It's not great. Um. I mean, I think it's interesting that. It, so in, in, in the film, Michael Jordan like quits his basketball career to fulfill a promise that he made he made to his dad to uh to give baseball a go. Which he did do in yeah. real life. He did in real yeah. life, yeah. And you know <laughs> fantastically unsuccessfully. And yeah, and, and and that's and but that's the thing. It was interesting because he did this after that, but he was willing to kind of admit I mean, in the film it's kind of more like hey, a basketball's your home, isn't it? But they still have moments in it where like he is just a little bit shit. And I I I thought that was interesting that he you know, he's a big sports star, he's willing to show that he's not bulletproof. I mean, like, could you imagine Cristiano Ronaldo doing that? <laughs> like, Jesus fucking wept. Um But yeah, like the the Looney Tunes stuff isn't great in that film. Lola Bunny Zendaya is is Lola Bunny in the new one. So instead yeah. of Zendaya is Michi, Zendaya is Lola. Um, doesn't quite roll off the tongue. Um, but it, it, it's she, she's fucking ridiculous in Space Jam. It's literally the first scene she's in. Tweety Pie says she's hot, and then that just had me thinking. A bird finds a rabbit at hot. How's that gonna? How's that gonna work? It's like me saying, oh. That cat looks fuckable, doesn't it? The thing you know, is, it, it, it's just. I, I've always thought that Tweety Pie was a little bit of a creep. Yeah, yeah. I d- yeah, I, d- I and uh, it, it, it just. I mean, it's short. Jordan himself is okay in it. Charles Barkley is very good. Um, and the Bugsy Moogs, I want to say his name is the short basketballer. I quite yeah, enjoy yeah, him Moog, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's. The Looney Tunes stuff just isn't great, and it just really rushes through the plot. Now, the thing is with Space Jam and New Legacy, <sighs> Pepe Le Pew's not allowed to be in it because he's problematic, but the guys from Clockwork Orange, <laughs> absolutely, they, they, they can be in it, no problem. I mean, I'm assuming they're not going to say a word but it is almost <laughs> like that, like the people who've decided that they're going to be in it out of this big list of of, of like Warner th- like products that they've got it has never seen Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I, I mean Pennywise is in the crowd. Yeah, I it, it's I yeah I, I, the, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean Ryan Coogler is is producing it. 
you know, LeBron James was in uh, Trainwreck and he was good. You know, so yeah. he <laughs> was the best thing in that fucking yeah, film. No, yeah, you know, I, it's but this the, the trailer is one of the most hectic things I've ever seen. It, it's like they've just gone right. Kids don't like films anymore. I mean, my daughter is a prime example. She said to me the other day, "Oh, I think the bit of my brain that likes movies is dropped out," which was, you know, a gut punch. Um, seriously she said that and it's wow we but it's almost like unless your film is the cinematic equivalent of a tiktok yeah or at least this is what producers think then you you just don't have anything it just it looks like it's going to be the most edited to within an inch of its life thing there will be no sequence in this movie that is longer than like 45 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh. George, it, you're a, you're a basketball fan, aren't you? What was, what, what are your thoughts on Space Jam? I love Space Jam. I remember going to see it at the cinema. Um, I remember watching it as a kid, loving it. I haven't seen it in years, so I can't, I really can't comment on what it's like to watch it as an adult. But, I mean, this was, I just felt like the fact that LeBron is going and then becoming a cartoon is a bit of a cop out. Like for me, yeah. all I can see is that he'll, he's in the, he'll be in the first ten minutes and the last ten minutes, and that'll be a shame because, as you say, and even though he was good in Trainwreck, he was the um, side comedic character who was just sort of playing up a, a version of himself. Oh yeah. Now when he's when, when he's asked to deliver actual emotions, we might see the cracks, but it's. It's the fact that he's, for me, he's doing what probably Michael Jordan should have done when he did it because, like, Michael Jordan was so depressed filming Space Jam because all he was was on his own, surrounded by green screen, whilst also actual um, player basketball. In that year, he actually won um, the championships with, with the Bulls. And it's insane that. And that's what I think that he's had a chat with Michael Jordan and he was like, do it, but don't do the um, green screen stuff because it's, it's awful. And then LeBron being LeBron and having leverage saying, okay, I'll be in this beginning. I'll be at the end. That's it. And they've, t- they've taken it, which, which I, I, that isn't, that isn't space. It's only had one film in the last 20, something or well, 15 years, but yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, it's I I don't know who asked for this, and it's been in development for fucking years. Mm. Um, but and I mean, God, I I hope it's good and I hope it's successful because I want Ryan Coogler to be a force in Hollywood very very much. Uh, you know yeah. I don't, you know he produced um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, he produced this. I, you know, if, and I, it just feels like if this can be a big, like primarily black cast starring family hit, but for, for for everyone, that that will be that will be amazing. I mean, I wish it well, 
but this trailer is borderline abhorrent. I like the bit when the man shot the balls. That was funny. <laughs> the, 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 the thing is, what I think will get me through this is my propensity to like the Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> it will get me through this. I don't like Bugs, Bugs Bunny, though. I don't like Bugs Bunny. He's a smug he's a, he's a twat. Poor Elmer Fudd. Um, All he wants to do is shoot the wabbit. I, yeah, I, I literally hope at some point he fucking does. <laughs> you, you, you need plenty of daffy. Yes, you yeah. do need. You do need a heavy level of daff. Um, I mean, is that it for trailers? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Just uh, interrupting the podcast for a second for a uh, editor, uh, quick editorial bit. Um, there's like no usable clips of Godzilla versus Kong online. It's all either action sequences or the. Uh, deaf girl communicating which isn't great for podcasting so i'm skipping the clip um before i i get into our first main review um i just noticed as i was preparing to get this synopsis up and everything like that that uh, our next film is the third highest grossing movie um of uh, 2021 yeah which which surprised me a little bit yeah and i went, empty man and i went that's a, that's, a, that's a surprise. I wonder what the other two are. Yep. The second one is Detective Chinatown 3, yeah. Yeah. which has made just shy of $700 million. And the number one at the moment is a film called Hi Mom, which has made over $800 million. What, the Brian see- De Palma film has been re-released? <laughs> <laughs> I did check just to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Against a budget of sixty million dollars. Wow, pretty good. <laughs> Fucking China, man, brilliant. Fucking, and you look at it and go, well done. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that films exist outside of the opening U.S. box <laughs> office. Yeah, yeah, true. Oh, that's that's, that's really cheered me up. That. I want to watch. I want to watch those Detective Chinatown films. The photos just make it look, make them look really fun. Yeah, and I bet they are. Well, that's yeah. it. That high mom, apparently, is like just like a fun comedy. And can, you, can you imagine a mid-budget fun comedy um, from the US making nearly a billion dollars? Mm. It's, it's ah fucking yeah, beautiful that. Right, so Godzilla versus Kong. Ian was very excited for this one. Uh, is Godzilla still your boy? Ian? Sorry, say that again. I said, is Godzilla still your boy? No, nah, well, Kong's my boy. Kong's my good boy. <laughs> so this is um, directed by Adam Winger, um, stars um, Kong and Godzilla and a bunch of uh, humans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, and the synopsis by Warner Brothers is the epic next chapter in the cinematic monsterverse pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another the fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong with human humanity caught in the balance in the balance balance. George I will come to you in a second about this I have one question I need to ask all of you though right you know this big dome 
that's over Kong's fake Skull Island. Oh my god, I have to get a drink. Very much upset me. Can you, what is it? Keep yeah. me straight away there. Right. Does he have like a litter tray in there that he shits in? Because I'm guessing Kong shits. I'm guessing that thing can shit. So they've got to clear it out at some point, haven't they? Yeah, but, but they're going. But can you imagine whose job it is to clean out Tom's <laughs> litter tray? He must have a litter tray. It might not be like an actual litter tray. They must have disguised it. I'm telling you, they painted those mountains. That's just Kong shit. That's fine. Jod, what do you think going into Godzilla vs. Kong? Were you up for it or had the previous movies kind of tempered your views for it? Well, I didn't like the original Godzilla. Um, the 2014 Gareth Edwards, I found it rather dull. Then Kong Skull Island, I think I've grown to like. I didn't really like it at the cinema, but when I rewatched it, I sort of embraced its more campy nature. Um, it, it basically is a big old campy apocalypse now. It, it's literally like a carry-on apocalypse now. And then uh, King of the Monsters was just nonsense. So the trailers for this kept my interest up and just because I was hoping to just get some nice monkey on lizard action never thought I'd ever say that sentence (laughs) and I watched it early on Good Friday and I thoroughly enjoyed it 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 delivered what I wanted and I appreciated that at points it leaned more to its sci-fi fantasy elements of the world and I actually got a little bit of a little invested, not a lot, but into the story of Rebecca Horn and Little Girl. But yeah, it's all about the action, and the action in this is fantastic. And as soon as we get to Hong Kong, really, it's all bloody great, and it's it's proper adrenaline-inducing filmmaking where Wingard really gets to play like a child with two figurines just banging them together and it's, it's an absolute joy to watch and it's actually rather good looking film as well for something that is just two monsters fighting each other fighting fighting each other but yeah i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it becky now you watched all of them in all the lead up to this. this. Well, not uh, all of the Godzilla movies ever made. Not all of the Godzilla, all of, all of the most recent Monsterverse 2014 movies. 2014 on. Yes. Uh, so you can you can probably check out a little bit of what you've been watching at the same time if you want, or you can wait and do those. Now. No, no, that's fine. I um, yeah, I mean, I I I'd seen Godzilla and Skull Island previously, not thinking of the monsters, but actually sort of kind of remembered quite liking both of the ones that I'd seen, whereas you were not so hot on them, were you? No. Um, the the first of them, the 2014 Brian Cranston one, is it's fairly nondescript to me, to be honest. It's it, it very much feels like a jumping off point, but it's a good jumping off point, and it's kind of it's the establishing point of the hey maybe this Godzilla guy isn't such a douchebag kind of vibe um, for for the rest of them to build on. Um, really like Skull Island. I like the the vibe of it. I like the 
Samuel L. Jackson is a crazy bastardiness of it. Um, and yeah, and then obviously went into. I really wanted to watch them all before we watched Godzilla v Kong, and I knew we were doing that today. So I stayed up until three in the morning, well, last night, this morning, watching King of the Monsters, and genuinely really fucking loved it. Like properly got into it, um, which I didn't expect to. Um, I liked the fact that obviously the the whole whole monsterverse thing. It's like you've got all these other guys. It's not just Godzilla and Kong. Um, and it, it, it brings loads of them in um, to, to, to varying levels. Obviously, you don't really get an awful lot of backstory. Most of them, you just get the visual and the name, but it's still pretty cool. Um, the the whole Mothra thing and the different species can be in symbiotic relationships, you know, kind of line that's in it is, is kind of cute. And then obviously she dies and then fucking Godzilla just forgives Rodan for for killing his missus and moves on with his life and accepts his apology, which I didn't agree with at all. Um, but yeah, we, we're really quite heavily invested in King of the Monsters for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, me and Isabel stayed up till three in the morning watching that one. Um, so yeah, and then obviously Godzilla v Kong, which <laughs> like with with her as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She stayed up with me and watched it. Fair enough. She oh, cried it's when oh, it's these holidays, isn't it? Yeah, nice. yeah. Yeah, she cried when Mothra died. She she was not happy when she thought that Godzilla was dead. Uh really angry at the film about that. So yeah, yeah, so that that was fun. Um and then yeah, Godzilla v Kong it, it just kind of strips it back to being just the two of them with like random nameless monsters and it it felt like a real kind of um anti-climax I guess I think after watching I was quite hyped by all the kind of um all of them being there and all of them being named and Ghidorah being such a c-word and all this kind of stuff and then this just it it really kind of strips it back um but obviously you've got the essentially you've got team kong and team godzilla and they're both rooting for their guy um and then they they only come together towards the end of the movie which i thought was quite nice really you've got the um the rebecca hall team kong on one side and then you've got millie bobby brown being team godzilla so obviously you're not going to side with them um but yeah I just, I just, I don't know. It just, it felt like a bit of a letdown after watching King of the Monsters, to be honest. I think I should have maybe just not. <laughs> I'd have probably enjoyed Godzilla v Kong more. Um, but yeah, what else was I going to say about it? Yeah, I said to you, I, I kind of, because of the way King of the Monsters goes and it introduces all these different monsters and they're all just left at the end of it roaming the world and kind of spreading their radioactivity and bringing shit back to life. I kind of expected that obviously you've got the two alpha titans in Godzilla and Kong that they'd be like you know like they'd have their their, their super groups basically of different monst- recognizable monsters nameable monsters that had sided with them and then there'd be this whole big thing but it it wasn't it was just Godzilla being a bit of a wanker throughout the whole thing like Kong's just there and if Godzilla turns up he defends himself but Godzilla's actively going after him and I didn't I didn't like that Ian was Godzilla versus Kong everything you wanted it to be? Well, what did I want it to be? 
did I want a fight scene where I literally said, go on, punch him in the face. And then five seconds later, he did. Where I said, go on, pick up that helicopter and smash him with it. (laughs) And he did. Later on, go on, break off a bit of that building and and slap him with it. And he did. I... So I was very, very in the mood for this. It was the start of the long weekend last weekend. I I had about half a bottle of Jack Daniels that night. And I was fucking roaring at the screen. Like, much to Kiki's annoyance. Um, <laughs> like, she fucked... She just fucked off upstairs. Um, and... During those moments where Kong was winning... I was five out of five. Now, I suppose, yes, Godzilla should win and does win, really. Um, That makes sense. I'm not happy about it, but I'll accept it. Um, So that, that stuff, yeah, good time. If the next one is God in, uh, Godzilla and Kong meet at Pacific Rim, yes, please. Uh, I, I, that's not that's not news or anything. It's just it's all properties. Oh no, Pacific Rim Uprising was Universal, so maybe not. But that that would be my next thing would be bring the monsters from Pacific Rim into it and have the Pacific Rim machines and Godzilla and Kong fighting those monsters. Yeah, I want that. Versus the Jaegers, Godzilla and Kong versus the Kaijus. Oh my god, yeah. That would be amazing. I would watch the fuck out of that. In fact, <laughs> yeah. I, I finished this movie and went, I just want to watch Pacific Rim now. Oh, no, no. But you know what needs to happen though, right? Right, right. Fuck. Okay. That little girl who's got the connection with Kong grows up. She has that mental connection with Kong like they do in Pacific Rim. So then they put her and Kong in a Jaeger, which is <laughs> relative, just fucking like massive. And you've got Kong and the little girl in he, a Jaeger. It is so exciting that he's actually struggling to get the words out. <laughs> like, <laughs> but just, can you imagine? Even if that was a tweet, it would literally just be a collection of letters that only you understand. <laughs> but no, but I mean, I'm just like, I'm trying to visualise it. Just like Kong and the girl, just simpatico in movements, in, in a fucking Jaeger, which is just bigger than the Burj Khalifa. You know, like, let's just, fu- let's just fucking go. <laughs> um, oh my God. So that's what I want. Now, the humans, Alexander Skarsgård barely does anything, can, but I can see why someone of his stature did it, because he's not really big enough to lead a film, but he's big enough to be recognisable and be the human lead in a, in a Godzilla. I get it. Rebecca Hall, I hope that she's funded some other projects with this uh, with this money. Thank you very much. Brian Tyree Henry, great to see him. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown. I agree with Becky immediately like things less when she's in them a lot of the time. I don't know. There's something 
I thought she was I thought she was all right in Enola Holmes in this. It was like you could have just not had her in it. She's just that you know, subplot with her is just pointless yeah. and her herself as an actress fairly unwatchable as a as 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 the person that she is when she's not in a role fairly insufferable so I, I just I don't they need to stop trying to make Millie Bobby Brown happen it, she got away with it for a while because in Stranger Things she's supposed to be odd when she's in things where she's supposed to be a human it just doesn't wash yeah and I, I for, for me, like it's it that that side plot is the issue with the film. Mm. See, I don't mind yeah. Millie Bobby Brown. I don't, and I get the whole Stranger Things. I haven't I haven't watched all of Stranger Things, but I've seen the first two seasons, and she is good as Eleven, especially in the first season. But that subplot, that side plot, that it exists only for something to happen in the third act. Mm. It, other than that, they actually have no impact on the story. And the thing is, Brian Tyrese Henry's character is my favourite in the entire movie. Like, human character. Yeah. I, I liked his vibe. I liked the comedy that he was bringing. But, yeah, that that entire subplot could have gone. Um, and it would, the film would have been, what, maybe... 85 minutes long instead of an hour and 45 which is one of the big things about the movie is that this film is an hour and 45 minutes before credits it it really does get in and get out and that's what i kind of liked it didn't bog itself didn't bog itself down in any story that was unneeded um like as in for the kong it was just that side plot which was just a little bit annoying yeah i i just i think generally with the runtime with the quality of the film with the action with everything they get away with it mm. and, and, and and that's it. And, you know, th- there was some really positive reaction just before it came out. Kind of slightly felt like, is everybody just too starved for, for blockbusters? I certainly didn't think it was shit. I, en- I enjoyed it for what it was. But it was Godzilla versus Kong. You know, there's, there's almost like there, there's an upper limit to how good the actual film is going to be. Um the, and and I, the fact it's done very well, I kind of hope Warner are smart enough to not double down on this and think shit. You know, because after Godzilla King of the Monsters did about 400 million worldwide, just under. That's not great for that film. This no. will probably do about the same, which in at this moment is a fucking miracle. And they need to just stop now. Now, apparently... Uh, like their license on Godzilla has now expired, so it's up to Toho whether Toho want to give them the reins anymore. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But hey, if Godzilla's not gonna, if, if if Godzilla's not gonna be back, let's let's do Kong versus Kaiju. I'd I'd watch it. But um, you uh, you uh, Mark, what do you think of it? I feel like you haven't really. I don't want to harsh on anyone's high. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think anyone's re- really like I fucking loved it. I thought it was deeply boring. Oh, fair enough. Um, the thing is, it's. I think it 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 looks fine. It, it, no, no, I, I think it looked good. I think. Um, 
it's interesting what Adam Wingard's doing, but the human characters have no personality, charisma, or anything whatsoever. The I disagree with you there. Rebecca Hall and the little girl do. You actually, they feel like fully fleshed out characters. The rest of them don't. Do they? Yes. I don't. Think. Are they in any of the any of the other movies? Well, the little girl probably. Uh, uh, but is Rebecca Hall in any of the other movies? Right, and I, I don't think she feels fleshed out at all. She just appears, and that's it. No, but she feels like a real human being, which doubtful. She's doing better than Millie Bobby Brown. Um, that's that's almost because she's Rebecca Hall. Yeah, she just <laughs> emanates it, it was, real human being. It was it was nice to see Rebecca <laughs> Hall in something, and that is about the most positive I think I can say about this movie because it, it it's boring. Jordan, and this this is the thing you see. It's not that the film, I don't think the film's bad, I think the film is just not for me. Because it was a little bit like, the film doesn't give a shit about the human characters. The film actively doesn't care about them. Um, because the film knows that you're there to just watch Kong fighting with Godzilla. Yeah, but if they're then going to dedicate as much time as they do to Kong not fighting Godzilla, they need to actually make that work. Right, but I think I think they, they know that they can get away with it just being mm. just making those bits cool. That is the problem sometimes that filmmakers do with these. What they do is rather than making those bits cool, they try and flesh it out with mm. like what's our message of the human characters gonna be here? And no, Wingard's gone, I don't give a shit about that, I wanna make this look cool. The problem is, is I don't I don't give a shit about that. I don't give a shit about any of it, is is the, is the honest answer. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have watched this. No. Which is why I'm very much like, my opinion on this doesn't matter, because I wasn't that up for it. I went into it, you know, with everything. I hope it like it, but just didn't, it didn't, it didn't hit with me. But I am very glad it hit with everybody else. Um, and I, I, I think that it's great that people seem to have really fucking enjoyed having, like, big, silly blockbuster cinema back at them, mm. which is kind of cool. And um, I, I, I wish... Nothing but good for all those involved. <laughs> and, and that's it for me. It's it's like I actually got intrigued by the whole Hollow Earth thing. The fact that they went to Hollow Earth, I actually thought was really quite oh, good. Cool, yeah. I, I, I love the sequence when we were there, and when we get to Kong's throne, and then all I'm thinking of is like, oh, they look like human-made structures. What the hell? I would love to see the history of the Hollow Earth and see where all, where all that originated from. And but it's the characters like Skarsgård, like Rebecca Hall, like the kid, they have an impact on the plot and where it goes. Now, my issue with that other subplot with Brian Tyrese, Henry, Millie Bobby Brown, Julian Dennison is that right up until. Julian Dennison takes the canister and pours it onto the computer. They have no impact. They're completely passengers yeah. within this story. And it's just sort of like, well, why the hell have we just spent so much time with them? It's like, I don't mind the performances, but it's just sort of like, as a plot device, yeah. just have a character that we know realise that or be in that location and do that. And, and like, it's... Damien Bashir, I, I even liked him in his like moustache twirling villain. He didn't really get much to do, but when he was on screen, I paid attention to him. But yeah, it, it was just that 
all I was thinking is like, what what are they doing? Because the they went to the the place and then they got into the um pod that took them to the Hong Kong and they were doing some other things. But all they're doing is watching. They aren't actually impacting anything. And obviously they they see Mecha Godzilla, which again is spoiler, but they don't do anything about it. They don't. It's it's so hollow um, to say upon that entire those that threesome that they have. That it just yeah it kind of spoils the rest of the movie. Uh, my my, my favourite bit of the movie was when Kong um, very unceremoniously crushed the ship that um, <laughs> comes out all, all, all the bad dickheads yeah. were in. Yeah, you could like that, didn't you? Yeah, I, I I did enjoy that. I, I I think I spent a lot of the movie worrying about his litter tray and going, I mean that's not what the centre of the earth looks like, and then wondering if Brendan Fraser was going to be there. He wasn't. Oh, it would have been Can, good if Brendan Fraser was there, was there just in the Hollow Earth, wasn't it? Yeah. Can you uh, can you draw us a picture of what the centre of the Earth looks like, and I'll put it up as the artwork for this week's show. <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say is Hong Kong. I mean, when when Kong and Godzilla do get to Hong Kong, some of those like neo drenched um, shots is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, really. So they looked beautiful. I mean, yeah, it it was a bit Pacific Rimmy, but neon drenched cityscapes always a win. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a good it, it's a good looking film, you know. And I mean, like, I think Adam Wingard obviously just I don't know wanted people to have fun with it. It just Again, the mini Bobby Brown thing, and I know we're harping on this, but there's an element there, again, of like, well, how can we um, how can we appeal to uh, to teenage girls? Who's a big teenage girl star at the moment? Oh, that girl from Stranger Things. Right. Get her on a two picture deal. You know, and it, it, it's it it doesn't feel organic. It literally feels like you're just getting her in there to get some more bums on seats which i don't know it's a business but is it necessarily organic to the storytelling of godzilla versus kong and i realize what a ridiculous statement that is um no it's not you know i mean and and yes i mean two hours or 90 minutes of just monsters fighting would be boring you do need some human characters there but you kind of got enough with scars guard hall and uh the the girl yeah. You know that that's enough. You you like George said, you shave twenty minutes off and get it in about ninety minutes, and jobs are good. Un. Except they wouldn't. They, literally, the a studio would have the opposite of going. If it had turned it in at two and a half hours, they'd have gone fuck it, get that fucking down. If it had turned in a movie at ninety minutes, they'd have gone hang on a minute, we've just paid two hundred million dollars for this. Mm. Where's but, the rest of it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I suppose in a streaming focused age that maybe that's not as much of a concern. But that that's one thing that always pleasantly surprised me about like um, films getting longer like or like big blockbusters getting longer. So surely studios would be like, yeah, do it 90 minutes and get more showtimes in, mm. you know, but it, it's almost like if a film is 90 minutes these days, it's like, oh, something's wrong there. And it's just like, I don't know, maybe they just told their story in 90 minutes. That's it. it, it there's, there's a weird thing. With, if, if you, it, it, yeah, that's it. If a blockbuster came out and it was 90 minutes, you'd be like, 
that's been cut to fuck. They don't want this to fuck it. It's clearly been a problem. <laughs> but it might just be really, it might just, not in, like you say, it only need 90 minutes, but it would worry you more than if it was two hours 45. 80 minutes is like my, oh, fucking hell, what's happened here then? That That's that for me. But I don't know. The thing, God, do we know how long Mortal Kombat is yet? Fucking talk amongst yourselves. I need to look into this. I think I've checked this. Uh, it is doesn't have a listing for what is it yet there. Uh, are we, is, is, what's the word? One hour fifty. One hour fifty. That's about right. Minute for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that'll so do. Where, where is everybody? Because uh, where are you, Becky? With it? It's definitely not shit. I I enjoyed it well enough. I just didn't enjoy it as much as the previous one. But if I'd watched the previous one previously. And it was a second watch, then I might have enjoyed it more. It was, I think it was, I had two new to me blockbusters to watch, and the other one was better. Ian. Yeah, well, definitely not shit. Um, you know, I'm, it will probably not be talked about on this podcast for like the rest of the year. It's one of those straight down the middle will not appear on anyone's lists. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, they they got away with it. John, I'm definitely not shit 100%. I did rather enjoy it. It's, it's for me. It's it's a, it's a seven out of ten. Did what it needed to do. Enjoyed it when it was on. Cool, cool. Uh, our audience poll, definitely not shit 42%. Touching cloth 25%, and shit 33%. Fair enough. Yeah, it's fair. Um, hey, Hannah, you know, I think you really can't be a good rewatch of a TV show. Would you agree with that, love? Oh, yes, I would. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think during, you know, global pandemics, storms, all of these things, it's quite nice to just sit down and burn through something that you've seen a million Absolutely times. Absolutely nothing like a binge watch. Star Trek. Babylon 5. Because you can sit there for hours looking at serial killer documentaries. Absolutely. Uh, that Netflix. doesn't make you a weird person uh, at all. It doesn't. Yeah, you could watch documentaries that all seem to be about women killing men. Love you, darling. You could put off watching Daredevil for the 30th time. Harry Potter. But really, you can't be immersing yourself in the warm jumper of a rewatch of a show of or a, a franchise. beloved franchise. A beloved franchise. Lord of the Rings. Twin Peaks. From VHS compilations recorded off television with the ad breaks, cut out of course, to DVD box sets of Sex in the City and, I don't know, Smallville. <laughs> Farscape. Quantum Leap. To giving up finding new content on Netflix and just having a comfort trawl through Star Trek The Next Generation or Parks and Recreation. I think that we can all agree. There's a lot to be said for that. You can't beat a good rewatch. So... With that in mind, join Anna and Mike from Chinstroker vs. Panzer as we burn through some of our favourite franchises and share our immediate reactions to each instalment in both spoiler and non-spoiler sections. To do that, do a search for The Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever your favourite podcast provider may be or go directly to anchor.fm forward slash rewatch project. We are proud members of the Pod Syndicate family of podcasts.
This podcast you're listening to, pretty good, isn't it? Only problem is, it's about halfway through. Pretty soon, it'll be over. And then what are you going to do? Well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to wearepodsyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, His Film, Her Movie, and What's On Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to wearepodsyndicate.com and clicking on The Bonus Shows. Shoveler Hewitt and his dumb dog. Thinks he's a man, but he's never killed a thing. Now watch him go inside. Snake. Cock, you little son of a Snake. <laughs> Don't let him see that it hurts. I can hear everything you're thinking. Who's that? The mayor, the mayor, the mayor. The mayor. Hide your noise. Hide your noise. Pause Hewitt. Pause Hewitt. Is that a problem, boys? Pause Hewitt. I'm Todd Hewitt. I'm no problem. Very clever use of your noise, son. Aaron likes me. He thinks I'm a man. I reckon you'll be riding with the Spaggle Patrol before long. Very clever. And let's move on to another, another feature review that I'm going to bring up the synopsis for. Uh, Is this just your method now? Yeah, it, it says me having to try and work out what the fuck films were about. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that about that I watched a few hours ago? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's long. That's all long. I'm going to try and find it on here. Oh, that's even longer. So, Chaos Walking uh, was made in 1992 <laughs> and, and released this year. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, um, directed by. Uh, Doug Lehman uh, and stars Daisy Ridley, um, Tom Holland, Mads Nicholson, Damien Bichier again, um, Cynthia Erivo, uh, David uh, Oyewa and uh, Nick Jonas. And Kurt Sutter. And Kurt Sutter, <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the, the, the most random casting of the year. <laughs> it doesn't last long. In the... I, 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 Probably, I'm, I'm certain I already want to see ask sort of things that he used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that somebody asked him about Chaos Walking, and I think it is literally that he he's one of Doug Lyman's neighbours. <laughs> it's some, that is literally as random as that that he ended up in it. And it was somebody asking him in sort of like the middle of last year, when's Chaos Walking coming out? And he was like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I've not even seen it yet. So what's it about? Two unlikely companions embark on a perilous adventure through the badlands of an unexplored planet as they try to escape a dangerous and disorienting reality where all inner thoughts are seen and heard by everyone. That's not what it's about. It's not what it's about, that, is it? What's it about, Becky? A horrible posh girl crash lands on a planet um, and then gets seen by this like pathetic childlike mentality creature who then played by Tom Holland yeah (laughs) that can't hide from anybody else that he's found this 
this posh girl because everyone can see his thoughts. Because all everyone can see all men's thoughts on this planet. The girls are just better at hiding shit. Um, but all the women on the planet are dead because the aliens killed them, except that's not true. This <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen's wrong in. Yeah. I think Cynthia I, Erebo's a mare. I think I, I think I described Daisy Ridley while watching it as having a face that has never understood the concept of having to pay rent, only receiving rent. She's fucking awful. In um, Ian. What's Chaos Walking worth the wait? I mean, well, I... So Donna, like, watched, like, most of this with me. Okay, that says a lot. No, I mean, like, because, no, I mean... End the back end. No, no, I mean, like, I I was, like, 10, 15 minutes into it, and then she kind of sat down, she was like, oh, what's this? And, like, just started watching it with me. Um, It... And she said at the end of it, I can see how that would work in a book, but no, that doesn't work as a film at all. Yeah. And that, I mean, but that's it though, isn't it? It just, I mean, I'm just going to call it out right now. The narrative device of having, of like being able to hear and see people's thoughts is cinematically fucking impossible. It just makes for an almost migraine-inducing amount of, like, dialogue over dialogue. Mm. Or, when that's not happening, you're thinking, but hang on a second, surely they're thinking something at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it fundamentally doesn't work. And apparently the first cut of this was basically unwatchable. And I could 100% see that, but uh, it's got it's got some ideas, but they all feel like they're, they're they must be better expressed in the book. And instead, what you've got here is, as Becky alluded to, the most obvious plot twist that is med- maybe ever twisted, <laughs> if it is a twist. Um, uh, can I point out as well like I'm guessing they don't have like sophisticated dyeing systems on that on that planet for dyeing like fabric and furs and things like that that means Mads Mikkelsen brought that fucking coat with him if you're going to take a coat with you to essentially overthrow a settlement that's the coat you take (laughs) That, that coat possessed him Yeah, that was what was in the original cut it, that it was coat, like snake's hair. That coat is actually a, an, an indigenous creature from that planet that has possessed him and <laughs> yeah. has made him mad. But then they decided not to go with that because it would be like, oh, what? So you're saying that men can only be cruel to women if they've been infected by something else? And then there'd be a controversy about that. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, Tom Holland, not on his A game at all. He's a thirsty bitch in that film as well, isn't he? Not thirsty yes. enough. Not thirsty enough to ring true. Uh, no, I, yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, straight straight up, like, he should have been, like, full-on just the most disgusting porn you've ever, <laughs> yeah. ever, ever thought literally, of. His thought stream should have just been literally just him just fucking jacking it. Just bukkake. Yeah. Like... 
all, <laughs> o- all over the show. Wow. Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, it's it, it's very, it's both messy and quite boring. Which, yeah. but, and it's more annoying because at times. Because Disney really isn't it. <laughs> I I I like her in the Star Wars films. I you know, but yeah, nah, in this. I, the personality I, of a Laura Ashley catalog. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Nice. George. <laughs> um. So yeah, this film is. Well, it's a film that seems to be the very definition of bland, doesn't it? And, yes. and when watching it, all I all all I kept thinking of was about the fans, and I feel sorry that if they've been looking forward to it, they've got something so middle of the road, and it, it, it it's not terrible, it's not good, it just basically exists whilst you're watching it, and um, it's not really keeping your attention, but having it does have a little mystery enough to to keep you from turning it off. And what it is, when I when you watch and when I watch these YA adaptations, you've got to look at the Hunger Games um, as a comparison because that film brought life to a decent enough story, but it breathed another level to it um, with some really decent casting and a really good character especially in the terms of the protagonist and it's somebody who you can root for and all i was doing in chaos walking was i was waiting for it to even attempt to kick into gear and it just never did the, the drama is so underplayed the, the stakes of the story aren't developed enough to drive the plot and you end up just waiting for it to finish rather than anticipating where or what's going to happen next. And it's like the, the characters just feel so undercooked and empty of any sort of personality. Like, for example, the preacher played by um, David Oyelowo, like you could have had him as like a fire and brimstone guy, so loud and over the top, or, or, or have his arc be that he seems nice. And then the reveal of what he did, um, like in his turn to evil come out later on. I mean, even though those two are stereotypes, but they'll be better than what we actually saw, who was just this utterly nothing character. And it's like I say, I don't think anybody's absolutely terrible in the movie. It's just that no one really has got anything to, to stand out. And it's a, it's a bit of a fart in, a, in the wind, really. I mean, yeah. give it a year and nobody will remember this ever came out. And like even like the, the entire palette of it was just dull and dismal and, and boring. Like if going back to the Hunger Games, the the beginning of that movie, yes, you do have this dull and very neutral palette, this earthy palette, but then you you juxtapose juxta you juxtapose I can't even say that word juxtapose juxtapose yes yeah, the one that with. The, the colours and the, the sharp edges and the, the fashion of the capital. So you, you do get to see both worlds. Yeah, and this is just, it's just an ambling film. And yeah, I, I, I don't know if, if a better version is on a cutting room floor somewhere, but what we saw definitely wasn't it. 
it's just the thing is, I don't even think that the whole the idea of it is even that good. No. To be honest. But that's a conceit as well. Like, for me, all I was trying to do is thinking, like, and maybe it's just me being a little bit dumb, but the fact that um, you can see the men's, but you can't see the women's, I was like, that has to be some some overarching metaphor, which is what... But I couldn't really work out what I was seeing with that. No, yeah, what, what, that's it. What, what, it's, it doesn't seem to be trying to say anything. It's just, it's very much, that's it. And we're dropped in the middle of it, and we have to accept it. But it's just it doesn't it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to want to flesh out its story at all. No. And then characters just like it, the idea of it doesn't even want to kind of it doesn't even want to give you like a big um, a big sort of like scene where it explains it all either to you. And some characters can hide it better, other characters can't. Mm. And it's just it. But that's probably fleshed out in the book because you, you can have that kind of exposition-y shit in a book without it feeling exposition-y. But you, but you literally, you could have the exposition. Literally, you've got a character mm. who arrives within this world who doesn't understand it there. Yeah. You could literally have somebody explaining, explaining it, it yeah, to them yeah. and thus explaining it to the audience. Okay. Instead, you get a title card at the start of it basically telling you and then drops you into Tom Holland just being a little bit neurotic to himself. Pretty girl, yellow hair. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And that... Why Why is his brain essentially a four-year-old? That's a good that, point. That's it. It doesn't... <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And it's... There's so many bits of it that you're going, right, so... Who's that to that? And who's he to that? And why is that? that? And it just, it doesn't, none of it links in. It seems to want to just exist on the fucking, the one trick it's got up its sleeve. Mm. And then the, the oh my God, so all the women weren't killed by the end. It's like, like, yeah, we know. It's fairly fucking obvious. And if you've got a movie that has Mads Mikkelsen in that court, why isn't it better? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It just should be better. It should be better. And another thing, there, they're all farming, right? Yep, there's no commerce. So what are they all farming for? To eat. But there's a lot of farming going on. It doesn't make much sense. Else to do though. So there's got to be some commerce somewhere. It's just, it, it, it's just really not very good. And then it, it's the, the weird thing is you've got this this little a, a current crop of new young actors coming through. So people like um, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley would, would fall in that category, right? But Daisy Ridley's nearly thirty, and she still looks like or acts in terms of her mannerisms and things like that. She still seems like she's a child, and it's just odd it's really odd and yeah i don't get it everywhere literally she arrives there and then just goes to the ship and everybody she meets along the way fucking dies <laughs> be it a person a dog a fucking horse or an entire town dies just so that she can get the fuck out 
Which pretty girl with yellow hair, so Tom Holland's fine with all of that. Yeah, and he gets to survive. Yeah. Yeah. But he's now off that planet. No, 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 no. What? They're in. They're they're staying on the planet. Were they? I thought they got in a spaceship and went off it. No, they they were. He was in like the medical bay or something of the ship that had landed. They were setting up. What did you think all the fucking tents were for? I thought they'd gone somewhere else. Well, just randomly. I thought, yeah. God. What? Well, I, 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 I literally kind of switched off a little bit by that point. I've got to mention to you, Ian, you know, we watched Blade Runner 2049 that we did in our What We've Been Watching for last week. Yeah. Remember that time when Mark didn't even realise Jared Leto was blind? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Fucking hell, I can't believe you didn't realise that. <laughs> Can I point something out on that? I've never professed to be a smart man. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, to be fair, I thought cows pissed milk until I was in my 20s. So, you know. <laughs> uh, he doesn't even know what a ramekin is. <laughs> what, a kamika? <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash film bastards. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm saying this is shit. Like, really, really shit. I, when we were watching it, I was I was thinking this is going to be a touching cloth, and then two horses and a dog got murdered, and then it immediately went into shit. Yeah, literally, Bibliowa literally drowns a dog yeah. out of spite. Yeah. Yeah. Forgot about that. And I was a little bit annoyed about that. Mm. Uh, before we do our ratings of it. Right. Can I ask a question? We've already started, just no, to clarify. No, fuck it. I, I need to ask a question because there's something that I was going, hang on a minute. Was it, that, they... was it that all the way through the movie until like you, you, you read something about it later, you thought the dog was called Mangy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Damien uh, Bershia, right? Yeah. And Kurt Sutter. Yeah. Were they a couple? Yeah. They were a couple then. I didn't just completely misread that or miss that they were brothers or something like that. I thought Kurt Sutter was his brother and Damien Bashir was his dad. <laughs> they're, they're both his adoptive fathers, so I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, they're a couple, aren't they? I mean, what oh, else do right. you know the women have been killed by the aliens? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I've no problem with it. I was just making sure that I didn't miss something. No, that, that was my reading of it. But you thought they were brothers, Ian? No, you thought they were father and son. no. John, what was your take on that? I just thought they were friends. I did not get that they were, they were um, together. That special See, friends. I'd, I'd watch that movie. Chris, Chris and Friends. <laughs> I, I, I'd prefer to watch that. I did think one of them was like his dad and then the other one was the dad's partner yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah. But no, no, neither of them are his biological I, I did also think all the way through it, is this going to come out that Mads Mikkelsen's his dad? No, sure. dead. Oh, yeah, no, no, his dad was dead. Was he? Yeah, oh, fucking. Did I watch this? this? <laughs> I, I, I did like Mads Mickelson carrying around his dad, like, for like the whole film, and then Mads Mickelson saying, Come out of there! Come on, come out of there! No! All right, I'll shoot your dad. Bang! <laughs> what, you think that's going to make me come out? <laughs> but that's not his dad. <laughs> what? Where's dad, dad? He's, 
If he's adopted. No, that's just his guardian. Like his, his dad what? and his mother. Are dead. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying here. His mother literally says in the fucking journal, "I wish your father could meet you," but unfortunately, no. God chose to take him the from us. The fucking journal bit. You've just reminded me of the journal bit, right? Literally. So Daisy Ridley's reading the journal to him because he can't read. Fair enough. That makes perfect sense. The most emotionless fucking reading of an emotional journal ever. Not only that, right? She's turning a page like every fucking half a second. It's like one sentence onto the page. page. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's just... It's, it's, you can imagine Doug Lyman going, going, no, can you just slow down like you were reading it? And her going, Nana reads me all my books. And it, 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 shit. That's probably how she reads books, though, because they just have like. What, spot. like short circuit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like spot, turn the page, can, turn the page, run, turn the page. Dizzy Ridley's just sat there when Tom Holland's character goes, I can't read. Dizzy Ridley's going, oh, fuck, I can't read. <laughs> she just made it all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait to fuck with him. Yeah. Just say whatever. John, where you are you? Want... <laughs> it all title the film was Gaslighting Holland. I'm on touching cloth. You saw the dog get murdered, right? <laughs> John, I did, but to be honest, I, I've. I've I've give five stars to films when they actually kill animals, which is terrible. But yeah, that's the only way you can get a boner, George. I understand. Uh, yeah, it's John's it's just watching it. It's, it's just snap. watching come and see all over, over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> just genocide oh, and killing animals. Oh. Yeah, on that note, our, our audience poll that I just closed because <laughs> I got so excited about Jordan masturbating. Um, definitely not shit, seventeen percent. Touching cloth, twenty-five percent. Shit, fifty percent. And Geostorm, eight percent. I'm sure that adds up to more than a hundred. <laughs> a lot of numbers it's there. Fine. Uh, Jordan, what have you been watching recently? Oh, straight to me. Uh, first up, then. I watched the 1993 film directed by Takeshi Kitano, Sonatine. Uh, and this is a like a sort of a gangland accuser film um, based in Tokyo. And there's this sort of gang uh, war going on. And it, it, it escalates to where the, these enforcers uh, are sent out just to lay low at the beach. Now, when I, when, I, when I went to this film, I saw Takeshi Kitano, I saw Set in Tokyo, I saw Yakuza, and I was expecting a, a sort of a hard-boiled um, Yakuza movie, a, a gangster movie. And it does start off like that. I mean, Takeshi Kitano uh, plays the lead character in this, uh, Murakara, and yeah, he's very cool, he's very collective, he, he has these outbursts of violence, um, it's quite bloody. But then when the film sort of transitions to the beach, the film, it sort of transforms into this kind of heartwarming, funny, loving hangout movie. 
And it's so bizarre that for the first maybe 10, 15 minutes of the shift, I was just thinking, like, what am I watching here? I don't know if it's if it's intentionally sort of weird and, and funny or if it's just bad. However, it definitely isn't bad because the way it carries on and the way the story deals with it, it it's, it's rather impressive just what of an emotional ride it takes you on and it ends up in this big um bloodbath uh but Takeshi Kitano is a filmmaker that I haven't really seen that much of but because I, I mean f- for me I just really recognize him from Battle Royale um growing up but I, I'm really interested to see him more as a director because yeah this one was definitely something different um, and if you do like your, your, your Yakuza movies, definitely one to, to, to give a try to. Um, next up, I've got a few films to get through, but next up is completely different. It's 2002's Ghost Ship. <laughs> nice! Directed by Steve Beck. Um, and this is one which I hadn't seen in so goddamn long. I don't know why I watched it. I think I've maybe seen something on Twitter in the opening, the thing about this film is that it can never live up to its opening sequence. Because no. that opening is incredible. The way it builds up and what actually happens to all those people on that boat. Like, anything that comes over, which is, what happens after it is just generic horror tropes. Nothing new happens, nothing, it doesn't really, it's not even that scary, to be honest. But yeah, it's, that opening is wonderful absolutely wonderful um next up 1975 shampoo <laughs> and this is a this is a film that i hadn't actually seen it's one of those where it's always been on a list um but never got round to it's halashby written by warren beatty starring warren beatty julie christie goldie horn and yeah it's i think over the years it's been given this classic status and, and i appreciate that but I think it's setting because obviously it's set during the the election eve and election day of Richard Nixon taking office. Mm. I just wish it did more with that um, because all it, all we do really get. Sorry, go on, Mark. Yeah, it, 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 it's there's, there's actually very little about that and its influence on the film at all, is there? It's just it kind of happens at that time. Yeah, it's just the trials and tribulations of Warren Beatty's character um, and, and the the women who he sort of string he, he strings along. But there is an interesting couple of scenes with oh, I forgot his name now Jack Will, Jack Warden, who plays Lester, who plays uh, Julie Christie's um, love interest. Well, he's married, but. Um, Julie Christie is his mistress, but Warren Beatty is in love with Julie Christie. But it's as he's going round, uh, obviously a, a, a young party, and he's an older man, and it's that looking at, at, at counterculture and at the culture that's sort of penetrating the, the nation at that time. It's the very definition of your 40s boomers, your, 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 your post-war people, and then you you swing in the 60s, getting through, which is just to see that play off each other was really good. Uh, but yeah, I really wish it was a bit more political and had a bit more bite to it. 
Um, next up is I am making Ian watch a nearly three-hour Taiwanese film um, for playing it forward <laughs> this week. Mm-hmm. And as a bit of a, a refresher before we do that, because I've still got Yi to watch, I watched uh, Edward Yang's 1991 film, A Brighter Summer Day. Um, I hadn't seen this since, well, maybe for maybe seven or eight years. And if you, I mean, the thing is, it is three hours and 57 minutes long. <laughs> it's a fucking long one, isn't it? But it is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the greatest films ever made. If you like um, a coming-of-age story, if you like to have a slice of life of a nation at a certain time and to get that atmosphere going on um, and just to see the way the inner workings of childhood and influence and love it is truly just masterful really engaging and again 3 hours 57 minutes does seem just like so unattainable but you can easily sit down, get sucked in, and watch it in one sitting easily. And I think it's it's the second four-hour film that I've seen in the last few weeks. And even though I did like the Snyder Cut, this is um, above and beyond. And last up for me, probably not the best time to watch it, I watched um, Denny Villeneuve's third feature film, Polytechnic. Um, a comedy. <laughs> no, this, this is a this is a dramatization of the 1989 Montreal massacre, where a, a misogynist goes into an engineering college and basically shoots a bunch of female engineers. And the thing is, Denis Denis Villeneuve. People, I think, also think that his first film was like Incendies. Because that's what thinned him um, to the globe. And then, obviously, he just went on this great, great run um, since he came to, to America. But Polytechnic isn't really interesting one. It's, I mean, for, for a school shooting film, it's gorgeously shot in black and white. It gives you this well-structured dissection of everything. And just, just, just the messages of it, like... There is a scene where one of the one of the characters, a girl, is trying to get, get understand entropy, and then they get the the um they get to the classroom, and, and the subject they're talking about when the the shooter comes in is entropy, and just that dichotomy of them talking about this this randomness, and you can't do anything about this randomness, and then somebody coming in and then massacring the school it is rather nice, and it does leave you on a rather uplifting message. Uh, but it is grueling, it is brutal, it is it's sometimes really d- difficult to watch. But it's one of those where I think you can you can appreciate the artistry, um, and, and hopefully maybe just look past the the depressing nature of the of the story and of what the what, what the narrative's telling you. But that's it for me. Cool, cool, cool. Yes. Uh, Tough old watch is Polytechnic. 
George. That's uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's kind of crazy that the guy who did that went on to direct the stuff that he's uh, he's managed to do. It's very that, very lo-fi, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and that's it. And that's what I kind of like about it. I mean, I've just got Maelstrom as well, um, which is his second film. Second one, yeah. Oh, and he, well. he is very into yeah, his lo-fi, his very character-driven um, relationship dramas, really. And then he's moved into this, just become this the, the, the sci-fi guy. And sci-fi I have guy, nothing yeah. wrong with that. I have nothing wrong with that because do you know what the sci-fi films he's made? And I mean, Prisoners, Enemy... Arrival, Blade Runner 2049 are all absolute bangers. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's interesting to see his beginnings in a way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, Ian, what have you been watching? Uh, yeah, so um, bit of a bit of a, uh, a, a kind of a varied one uh, to be honest uh, this week. So obviously, I already talked about Space Jam. Uh, so uh independence day resurgence um which is on disney plus and donna had not seen it and the independence day was quite a heavy rotation one for don and i during our um uh, our early years together um like it's just big silly disaster movies were kind of our thing um and i like literally i, I saw independence day resurgence on uh, disney plus i was like you've not seen the sequel to independent independence day have you don she was like there was a sequel to independence day which i think says something for kind of like the imprint that it is left um and liam hemsworth is top build in this <laughs> how does yeah. that happen <laughs> they thought it was chris I I mean seriously, it was like, get me a Hemsworth. Does does it matter which Hemsworth? Well, there's only one of them, isn't there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. You know, make sure he's got top billing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I uh, Jeff Goldblum is not the character from the first one i like jeff goldblum i like his thing but when he's in a sequel to a film where he wasn't his jeff goldblum thing in the first one then suddenly his he's his jeff goldblum thing not in not into it doesn't connect um jesse usher bless him like having to like even in the film he's being asked like what do you think of the responsibility of living up to your father and it's like well you're even asking him in the film how do you feel having a follow-up will smith that's just mean (laughs) um i and yeah i I mean i i I think micah monroe is is good and i like the fact that and i'd forgotten this that like she was actually a fighter pilot and there is a bit where she is in a fighter jet along with bill pullman it's like cool that's that's great you can handle yourself that's awesome um but it yeah i don't know it's trying to do the first one again except with future tech and it just nah it 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 just doesn't click and the ending, literally, the last line is Brent Spiner going, we're going to go up and kick some serious alien ass. No, you're not. <laughs> nope. It, it, I mean, it's like, 
the one of the like best examples of you thought you were Charlie Big Bananas, didn't you? With like coming out with this, um, and it, I mean it's not terrible, you know. It's uh, it's just under two hours long, and it packs a lot into that two hours. And Bill Pullman does a nice line in fucking just straight up traumatized, um, which you know you'd kind of think Jeff Goldblum would be, but no, he's Jeff Gold. Charlotte Gainsbourg turns up as like a uh, a scientist he had a dalliance with? Yeah, of course he did, because he's Jeff Goldblum. But no, yeah. David from Independence Day, no, not with Charlotte Gainsbourg and just acting like, like yeah, that was something that happened. No, I, I just don't believe it. Um, also, Judd Hirsch, it's cool that he's in there, but he has this whole subplot with a bunch of kids, and it's just a bit, what the... I, I don't know, just have him be with Jeff Goldblum or something. Don't do this. Um, yeah, you know, like I say, cultural imprint of a fart in the wind, like Jordan said earlier on, but I, I don't hate it, but I'll probably never watch it again, you know, but hey. Um, also watched Con Air on uh, D- Disney Star. Good old Disney star. I'm watching like at least one a week at the moment with them. You know, uh, yeah. we, we've been talking on the show how much we like it. And yeah, because they've got a really good back catalogue, you know. Um, I like Conair, But Steve Buscemi playing a mass murdering paedophile who's the comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> It was 1987, Ian. Dude. I mean, was it a more innocent time? Or was it, you know, God, what was it I was listening to the other day that was talking about how the 90s was just an era where nobody had any cares in the world? No, it was that audio book that I've been talking to you guys about, best movie year ever, where you were talking about the 90s. As it reached the end of the 90s, there was a feeling that things weren't quite, you know, things were a little bit going too well. Con Air is symptomatic of that because you were literally so comfortable with the world that even a paedophile can be comic relief. <laughs> like the, the the end tag on Con Air is he's managed to escape and now he's hitting up the tables. <laughs> I on it right. I was really did, did really you, enjoyed. Oh, I'm glad he survived. <laughs> I mean, I, dude, it's like that, though. That's what you were supposed to... It's like, okay, he didn't rape and murder the kid that he met in that fucking abandoned swimming pool. He's obviously all right. He's a change man. It's so weird. <laughs> and it, it just... That, in this otherwise really, really fun action film where Nicolas Cage is doing an accent but he's not crazy Cage John Cusack is there like just like uh, pissing off Colin Meany throughout the entire thing brilliant really good supporting cast around and then you've got I don't know it just it really bothered me like just the way that his character, like Steve Buscemi's character is, ha- I mean, his entrance is hilarious because you think it's basically Hannibal Lecter and then, oh, it's Steve Buscemi. And I, you know, I, I, I like that incongruity, but 
yeah, no. I just the fact the fact that there is a sequence and it it keeps on cutting back to him having playing tea with this little girl, and it's literally the tension of the sequences. Is he gonna rape that girl? It it's no. It just it's no. We were far too comfortable in the nineties. <laughs> Um, but he yeah. doesn't. <laughs> Sorry? But he doesn't. No, he doesn't, but he did before. And it... it yeah, the, it, no. Is it's, it kids that he's meant to have done before? I'm pretty sure. Murder? I, I'm not sure he's... he's... He's definitely a mass murderer. Yeah. And I don't know why they would have that sequence being him specifically with a little kid if that wasn't behind it. I mean, he might have just raped, you know, murdered kids. He doesn't necessarily make him rapey, does it? I still don't think that's great, Bex. Well, no. But it's better than rapey. Mark's conspicuously silent. (laughs) Mark's fine with it. But he do look like that kid had a fucking great life to begin with. I will say. Yeah, deranged serial killer. I will say, next time you watch along it, the East Coast. Wow. the kid has got an old man chin. <laughs> yes! Oh, Just Google it now, like anyone listening to this. It's weird. It's very odd. Anyway, that's Con Air. Um, complete change of pace, this. Jordan listens to Blank Check, so he might know what's coming up. I watched uh, the first film written and directed by Elaine May, uh, A New Leaf, starring Walter Matthau and Elaine May. Um, So this is the story of Walter Matthau. Has anyone ever seen this? No. I've not fucking heard of it beforehand. So Walter Matthau plays a guy who's been burning through a trust fund and a check bounces and he goes to his lawyers and he's like, this check must be paid immediately. And his lawyer is trying to explain to him that he's burned through all his money and he's skint. And he's just like, no, this check must be paid. It must. And it's just this five minute sequence of like this guy just trying to explain to Walter Matau that he's broke and Matau just going like, well, it's unacceptable. I need this. This needs to be paid. Um, and there, and there, it, it, there's a sequence where he's basically saying goodbye to all the fine things in life. Um, and then his butler suggests to him, essentially, well, you could find a rich woman to marry if you if you don't want to work. And he gets it into his head, well, he could marry her and then kill her. So. It's Walter Matthau playing an entitled rich kid, except he's Walter Matthau and he was probably 50 at the time. Um, who then marries Elaine May, who's this like uh, uh, rich uh, botanist. And he spends the film basically kind of like low key trying to kill her while also <laughs> learning that. He's actually really, really good at 
uh, managing her finances and, you know, kind of protecting her interests. But it's all only really because at some point he's going to kill her and have that money. It's bizarre, but Matau is fucking hilarious in this. He is so fucking funny. Some of the lines that he that 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 he gets are just chef's kiss stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it the, the, the uh, Elaine May story is pretty hilarious and i'm like with with a new leaf apparently she turned in a first cut that was like three and a half hours long and the studio were like no you can't release this and she took them to court and uh i I think like i I mean she must have lost because this was about an hour and 40 but i just love the idea of what do you mean you won't release my three and a half hour long film um And yeah, and apparently the longer cut was Walter Matthau basically killing other people who were fucking over her finances, but never getting around to killing her. Um, it's just, I, I, yeah, I, it, it tickled me. It really did. Um, I, I rented it on iTunes. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't see it was around to stream anywhere. But if you like the idea of Walter Matthau playing a rich kid, it, but he's like 50 just very nonchalantly trying to find out ways of murdering his wife a new leaf is the film for you if you do have a vpn it's currently on the criterion channel there you go go, then it's it's jord i think you you will get a kick out of that i i think anybody anybody would but i think you'd vibe with that quite hard spot on it was and, definitely uh, going in the watch list. Yeah, nice. And then the the podcast that Blank Check did about it was uh, really good, but it stirred up some Twitter controversy. I'll say that. But um, anyway, that's it for me this week. Bex, what have you watched on your lonesome? I haven't watched anything on my lonesome apart from the MonsterVerse movie. Right. Well, I, 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 or I, I, the I, Desolation I, of Smaug, which you can listen to in there and back again. Another Pod Syndicate podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I missed. So I've watched two on my own uh, this week. Uh, again, they were repetitive work watches, um, as is my want at the moment. Uh, so, uh, boiled by a, a, a TikTok that I saw, um, which was somebody watching a movie from like the mid noughties, uh, like a, a riff on that, and then just watching it and going, yeah, this bit's not good, is it? Oh, this bit I'm here as well. Oh, this bit I'm here as well. I decided to watch the uh, Will Gluck comedy, Fired Up, which is on Netflix in the UK at the moment, uh, to see if the sexual politics of this had aged well in the 12 years since its release. Um, has anybody else seen Fired Up? I think I have. I saw Fired Up, yeah, when, when it came out. I remember watching it in the video store when I was at university. Yep. The story basically is that it's two um, football jocks go to cheerleading camp rather than football camp because they're going to be able to spend their time with 300 girls. Um, and yeah, it's it's about as offensive as that, but it is quite amusing at points. Um, led by the fact that um, uh, Nicholas uh, D'Agosto um, and Eric Christian Olsen are both quite charismatic and fun with it and don't actually come across as 
quite as douchey as they probably should, but they kind of do, but in very much a, it's very much poking fun at them, <laughs> the movie, which is kind of quite quite fun in that. Um, we'll look at who went on to make uh, Easy A, um, and then Friends with Benefits, and then the Peter Rabbit movies. Weird career trajectory for that guy. Uh, and then I also watched The Proposal, uh, the uh, Ryan Reynolds and um, Sandra Bullock movie, for simple reasons. I really like The Proposal. It's a good movie. It's fun. It's Ryan Reynolds and, Sam, and Sandra Bullock riffing off each other. Two very, very good comedians being quite funny in something. Um, yeah, it's it's good fun. It's one of those I keep trying to get you to watch with me, but you won't, will you, Bex? I'm pretty sure you've, you've watched it with me. Yeah, but you will watch it again. Oh, no. No. See, there you go. Um, what have we watched as a twosome, Becky? Um, what have we watched? Go on. Fuck you, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, I, I missed one of my lonesome watches. Go on. I forgot about this one. Um, after last week's trailer um, uh, tearing apart of, I watched Shoplifters of the World, the um, <laughs> the kind of Smith nostalgia movie. Um, so, for a start off, I, do you give a shit about this, Becky? No. Ian, do you, do you give a shit about Shoplifters of the World? No, I, I, uh, as evidenced by my thoughts on it last week, mate, not in the fucking slightest. George, do you have any interest in Shoplifters of the World? I do not. Right, then I'm going to fucking spoiler it. If you have any interest in Shoplifters of the World, listeners, then skip forward at like two or three minutes. Um, weirdly, it's better than it should be. I'm not saying it's good. But I'm saying it's better than it should be. So the the trailer gives you the idea that it's the story of um, Alicun uh, Coltrane breaks into a radio station the day that it's announced the Smiths are going to split up um, and forces metalhead um, Joe Manganiello um, to play Smith songs and it's it's about the siege of this radio station. Right. Right. Ian, would you say that's roughly what you got from the trailer? Yes, one that is the film according to the trailer. Yeah, that's not it. That is the background of what is happening to Cleo um, and the rest of her friends who are going through this journey of this night that they're going on, and the backdrop of it is. Yeah. What's happening there? They're all Smith fans, and the kind of the um, Alan Coltrane, uh, Coltrane character is kind of doing this to impress Cleo, uh, who comes in her, who comes into the record store that he works at, um, and uh, yeah, comes to the record store and shoplifts. There is literally a scene in this movie of her shoplifting to shoplifters of the world. Adler. Yeah. Um, the journey that Cleo and her friends are going on is boring. Really, really boring. It is, you've got two of her friends who are a couple, um, but the guy from it um, will have sex with her because Morrissey is both a vegetarian and celibate, so he has to be a vegetarian and celibate, right? But she just wants to fuck but he won't because they've done it once, but he's never going to do it again until when, right? So she's just 
fucking horny. And you're looking at going, right, so you're gay then, right? And that's it, he is gay. And then they're going out for the night with their friend who is uh, joining the army the next day to impress his dad. But again, he's clearly gay as well, right? And he's clearly in love with gay dude who will have sex with his insanely hot girlfriend, right? Into the hot girlfriend, they've got this party and she literally just bangs the first fucking dude who has a Smiths poster up, right? Literally it, this jock who has a Smiths poster, bangs him, comes in like literally seconds and then explains to her, the, 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 the Smiths poster is there, but it has nothing to do with it being the Smiths, it's that he nicked it off some French kid. Yeah. Yep. Um it's but all of that is crap. But the relationship that Ella Coltrane and uh, Joe Maginello are having in the radio station is actually quite cool. Because it's he just thinks he's like this metalhead who's just in a metal because he keeps apologizing to the metal listeners that he's having to play the Smiths. Mm. Um but it turns out that he's not. He's actually quite he actually doesn't dislike the Smiths. Um, he just doesn't think that people should believe believe all the hype and all the bullshit that they expose. Uh, expose, sorry, um, and bits like that. So there's some great lies. Like he, he, he shoots a, um, a, a a kiss mug and he's like, man, that's just uncalled for. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it, eventually he just ends up like just not having a gun because he goes, you know what? I get it. You do this for a girl. I dig that. I'm down with that. Let's go. <laughs> and just starts doing that. They deal with the Morrissey thing quite well. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, basically, he just says, the thing about this is, you believe all this crap now, but one of these days, in the future, one of these guys is going to say a bunch of shit <laughs> that you are going to go completely against everything he's saying now and just make you think, God, I was an idiot for looking up to that that guy. And it's done really, really well. If you are vaguely interested in the Smiths, give it a watch because it's kind of interesting to look at how big a cultural impact they had, I think, in America. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it, the, there's two halves of the movie and the half of the movie is less focused upon, uh, is a lot more interested than the half that, it, that the director thinks is interesting on. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, go on, Vex, what else are we watch watching? Right, hang on, which one shall I do? Um, Okay, so we watched 2012, the John Cusack movie, which I feel like we watched not that long ago, but it's a disaster movie, so we watch them on a fairly regular basis. I find it quite soothing to watch disaster movies. Um, I get that. It's, yeah, it's, it's... It's good enough fun. Is is 2012. Um, John Cusack's great in it. Um, his kids annoying. Both his kids are annoying actually. Um, the Russian little Russian family are more amusing and less annoying actually than I remember them being. Um, 2012 is a bit of a weird one because uh, I remember them doing like a whole thing last year when everything was kicking off and saying, well. Did you know that actually the Mayan calendar was there was an eight year slip and 2012 when it was predicted for the world to end was actually should actually be 2020. 
so that's quite interesting but it's not ended we're just in a simulation yeah um it's 2012 yeah yeah it's good timing it's basically a humanity horror film isn't it yeah (laughs) it just more of a horror film for you because obviously boats yeah it's just destruction upon destruction but i do quite like watching it yeah we do we we watch it fairly recent fairly regularly don't we yeah? yeah we do uh, what else do we watch? Usually on New Year's. Yeah, usually on New Year's. It's usually on New Year's Day movie, isn't it? <laughs> Which makes no fucking sense. <laughs> uh, we watched Murder by Numbers. Yeah. Because, again... Sandy B. Sandy B, and it's kind of like a, a go-to comfort watch. It is. We do We do have certain sort of thrillers that, that get a lot of play, don't we? And this is one of them. Yes. Uh, and also another one that is of those is High Crimes <laughs> with... Um, Ashley Judd and Morgan Freeman, uh, which again I think we've spoken about fairly recently, fairly enough recently on, yeah. on this podcast. I was uh, like watching it get getting back into the Ashley Judd stuff though. The Juddathon, yeah. The Juddathon, because yeah, it means that I'm not I'm not too far away from getting to watch Kiss the Girls again. We're not. We're we're about we're a, we're a few movies away from few, Kiss few the Girls. Away. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's a long came a spider to watch. So it's good times. It is good times. Great times. Yeah. Uh, Great times, high crimes. Oh, well, oh. Right. basic. <laughs> Why did we watch this? What? We've seen it before. Oh no, and it's not even that good. No, <laughs> I think it's because we were trying. I I gave you an awfully vague description of a film, didn't I? Which turned out to not be basic, no. but you thought it was basic, and then it made us think, oh, let's watch basic. Let's watch basic. Yeah. I think part of it. It was white out, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I did get. Yeah, and isn't anything like basic. No, it isn't. Um, you know, that one film and there's a girl in a coat and she goes to a thing and the snow. <laughs> White out. Yeah. <laughs> um, which we own on iTunes. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, so basically, I think it was because it was 90 odd minutes long and it was like 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> and so we watched basic the John Travolta movie where John Travolta just plays unerringly fucking cool in it but pulls it off really quite well because mm. yeah. he's John Travolta yeah, actually, yeah to be fair this is probably the coolest I've ever seen John Travolta you've seen Taking a Pillow 1, 2, 3 oh he's quite cool he's isn't that? fucking cool yeah but he's a, bit, he's a bit hammy in that though he's a bit OTT isn't he Whereas he's Travolta hammy <laughs> but he's not lick in- my bunghole motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> Is that a quote, or are you? That is a quote from That's a Thing of Solomon Really? It is, yeah. We'll be, we'll be watching it again soon, don't worry. Okay. Cabin watch. It is a cabin watch. Ooh. Cabin. Um, so what else? We've got two more, haven't we? Yeah. Rewatch Bullet in the Head. Now my third watch of Will Hill's Bullet in the Head. You oh, are the only the person on earth who has watched Bullet in the Head three. I don't hate that film, Mark, but that is such a fucking nothing film for you to have watched that three times. I mean, that, that, none more, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It absolutely is. Um, Christ. I love the fact that that, that Steve uh, Mazzaro came on to do to do the score for it, and it's literally like Walter Hill sat him down and went, right, this is what I want. And Mazzaro goes, right, what I was thinking is, I was going, no, 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 just go away, listen to a lot of Raikuda records, and then just do that. And he's gone, okay, yep, yeah, fine with that, fine with that. I worked it works out that there is an inordinate amount of knife apple action in Walter Hill movies specifically. Well, Walter Hill's clearly a cool bastard then. Walter Hill is a fucking cool motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I like Bullet to the Head. It's a lot of fun. It's Jason Momoa before he was Jason Momoa. He looks weird without facial hair. He looks hair. weird without facial hair. But I like the fact that his character just likes killing people. He does enjoy killing people. And literally just like, decides that he's not going to have a gunfight with Sylvester Stallone. He's going to have an axe fight instead. He looks far too comfortable with that axe as well. During he looks fight. really comfortable with the axe. Stallone looks a bit like, right, shit, okay, axe. <laughs> fine i'll use it whereas momo is just like twirling it around in his hands throwing it up in the air yeah um it, it was a good time i enjoyed my time with it again i, I will watch that again <gasps> i'm really looking forward to this next one well I'm, I'm looking forward to you saying the name wrong what johnny and you must share no because you can't say it can you dream demonic oh that was boring yeah fuck you You've been, you've been like practicing. Yeah, in the mirror for hours. <laughs> Mnemonic. Mnemonic. <laughs> uh, yeah, we rewatched Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, see? It's <laughs> not Mnemonic. God. Uh, George, yeah. this this is one of those this is one of those times when I listen to this show and just say think like, am I just listening to foreplay? It's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Mark mispronouncing words really does do it for me. It's just the way you two are kind of like sniping at each other, but in a way that you both obviously quite like. It's very disconcerting. It's just everybody just being fucking horrible to each other and laughing about it. It's fun. The thing is, I just, I've got, it just, you two sound like you kind of fucking love it. I don't know, it's... I think I've been listening to you for too long. This is the last episode, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Uh, yeah, Johnny Mnemonic. He, he uh, stores shit in his head and then goes and downloads it elsewhere, but he overstores himself. Yeah. Hilarity ensues. No, it's not really <laughs> hilarity, is it? Yeah, it is. It's Dolph Lundgren as a street preacher. That bit's good. He just walks around quoting <laughs> Bible verses at people and then just murdering them. A question, right? When it's like actually fixed, are you have you got any interest in playing cyberpunk? Yeah. I just yeah. like yeah. I, I I think you two playing cyberpunk would be very funny because it's you know Keanu Reeves in the head and all that kind of stuff you know and it kind of like it feels like it's got like a vibe that you guys would dig and I would very much watch you two streaming cyberpunk. I really would. Well, we will do that then when it's a thing. Is it a thing? Yeah, I mean, it's out on the PlayStation 4, but George um, played it on the PlayStation 4, and it was an absolute trash fire, wasn't it, bud? I played it on the PlayStation 5. Oh, Um, no, why that it was that bad? Oh, shit. Oh, yes, yes. Um, The thing is, I, I bet... It could be a great game, but when I bought it and played it, it wasn't a complete game. So therefore, I was just like, I played maybe what ninety minutes, and there was just so many bugs within that ninety minutes. I was like, this isn't worth the money, so I traded it and got Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I like you, Bex. You specifically playing it, and then Mark watching and commenting. I think would be the way. <laughs> It's a, so you can play it and I will have the headphones on. <laughs> You're going to do the commentary? Yeah. Let's be, whoa, what the fuck? Who's that guy? Who's that prick? 
despite the fact that there'll have been like a 15 minute cutscene explaining who that guy is just yeah, previously yeah yeah <laughs> all right yeah fair play when they've when they've patched it and it's all right we'll uh, we'll get on that yeah okay, I, cool I mean, join Mnemonic uh, having Takeshi Katano in there. Stop saying Mnemonic. And Ice T. It is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and Dolph Lundgren. Especially as we know we can say it properly, because he just did a second ago. Mm-hmm. It seems willful at this point. It, even I don't have control of it. It's willful. It's by somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I think it's for me. Yeah, you've got Henry Rollins in there as well. You've got yeah. Uda Kia. You've got Barbara Sakoa. Barbara yeah. Sakoa is... Genuinely one of my favourite actresses. I love her. It, it, it's just mental. It's it's part of that weird little um, collection of, sort of mid-90s films that were just a bit batshit. So you know, like things like this and Escape from L.A. and Tank Girl that were kind of like, they weren't, they weren't like, they were like a precursor to what steampunk became, mm. um, where they were just like this draped, in stoner culture but trash culture at the same time and it was just these really odd fucking pre-future films uh, that were fucking great to be honest they were mm. fun, entertaining and a bit ridiculous yeah. but it's so weird that literally that like four years after this was The Matrix yeah it's crazy isn't it and the jump that you had from this to that. I love watching these kind of films as well and seeing like how the internet is portrayed in films from this kind of time period. Yeah. It's always good fun. It is always good fun. So we, we watched the first half hour of Hackers after watching this as well, didn't we? And it's like it's just not how it works. That's another one that, that falls into this this category, yeah. Um so yes, yeah, so moving on to our final review. That's our last film, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. 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 Man, um, directed by uh, David Pryor and stars James Badgedale, uh, Stephen Root, uh, and other people. Um, David Pryor, he's like Fincher's credits guy, is it? it? Yeah, and it's like he did he did a lot of the behind the scenes documentary stuff for Fincher as well. Yeah, um, he's definitely one of Fincher's boys. Yeah, and you can you can very much sort of see that in the film, I think. Um, so the plot. Again, provided by IMDb. There we go. 
On the trail of a missing girl, an ex-cop comes across a secretive group attempting to summon a terrifying supernatural entity. Kind of what it's about. Kind of, maybe. Almost. Um, Ian. The Empty Man. Is it a horror film? Yeah. 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 I, I, I think so. I will say, when I first stuck it on, I thought I was watching the wrong film. Um, <laughs> the remarkably discom- discombobulating opening after watching the trailer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. it's a fucking interesting bit of work, is The Empty Man. Um, I don't like... A bit of a cult of the empty man seems to have sprung up in terms of people discovering it. And I don't, I, I, I'm not entirely sure if I'm quite there, but I thought it was really interesting. And, you know, considering all these jokes that I make about like that it being a simulation and what I say jokes. I kind of half, I kind of want to believe that more than believe it because the the the, the prospect of you know uh, us actually trying to find some meaning and being real and then there not being anything after. I'd rather just be a not real thing and there not be anything after. But that that whole kind of thing that, that you know does play on my mind and you know with this like the last year which is i think probably made everyone think of their own mortality more than they otherwise would this film filled me with an existential dread which i don't think i've felt since jacob's ladder and that Ooh. sounds like that sounds like her hyperbole but I think it's maybe only because I don't go to maybe I don't go to those kinds of films. Um, but or, or or maybe it is I go to those films and it just did a real number on me. But there's a waking nightmare aspect of this film, which really did remind me of that, especially in in like the the last hour or so. Like, basically, from when he visits the Pontifax Institute and onwards, it it felt like that to me. Um, All spoilers all the time, to be very, very, very clear here. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what what you guys made of it. I, I, I think it's a very singular bit of work. I think it's something that didn't deserve to just be shit out on VOD in the UK and get dumped in the US in October where the first trailer came out a week before the film came out um, and was so we don't care with Fox that the copyright for the film is 2018 and it has 20th century Fox at the start despite Call of the Wild like eight months beforehand being the first film that had 20th century studios on it Um it, 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 I, I think it's a far more interesting bit of work than that deserves. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what you guys thought of it. John, what did you think of it? Yeah, yeah. well, it is an interesting piece of work. And going on that, it's 
like what just following on what Ian was saying regarding like the marketing and things like that. It's like I I, I saw this for quite a bit on Apple Movies. Um, however, it, the poster for it on Apple Movies is a a black image with what the white writing of the Empty Man, which kind of looks like the same poster of Slender Man. So yeah, yes, which is just totally not what the film's selling. And for me, is when you've got an image that is so striking and is so eye-catching as um, the, the skeleton figure yeah. within this movie, yeah. that should be your poster. That will get people thinking, what the hell is that? I kind of want to watch this movie. But going on from there, the, the opening 20 minutes of this film is probably the best horror film I've seen in a fair few years. It, it, it is sort of disconnected from the rest, but the way it builds its tension and this film does something with with sound in certain aspects and it, it's with sound and feet, which is utterly terrifying. Um, but what I like is we've got this movement of what what I think well unquote unquote here of prestige horror. Um, and the more and more I think about the films of Ari Aster, and I know it's not not the the the, the films of this podcast, the more and more I appreciate and I love the the films of that man and the way he and what he's doing with the genre. And what I like about Empty Man is it's sort of brings the teenage slasher fic, um, slasher film with a prestige horror sheen. It's, it's as if Ari Aster directed I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> um, and I really, uh, that that's enjoyable to me and that's interesting to me. And yes, at, at points it seems a little, a little bit empty and a little bit surface, but some of the filmmaking in it is brilliant and it, it shows somebody who understands um how to manipulate an audience, understands how to get rise out of them. And I really did enjoy it. I think it can be a little bit ambling at times and it's tad confusing when you're trying to put all the parts together. But as an overall like singular piece, it's a damn good horror film. A damn good horror film. And I'm interested where Mark said, is it a horror film? Is that coming from a place of I didn't think it was a horror film? For myself? Yeah. Um, no, I, I do think it's a horror film. Uh, okay. But what I've seen a lot of... Because when you mentioned it about... it to me, I mean, I mean, to be clear, it's not set in space. So it can <laughs> be a horror it, film. It can be a horror film. Too. Oh, yeah. Yes, good point in that. Um, so... When you said about that, it, I, I, you know, like, it's what that weird thing about, um, it, let's say, you said it for instance, you back the other day, you got a pair of Doc Martens the other week, and, and ever since then, all you've seen is Doc Martens on people's feet. Yeah. Right. It's that kind of, what is it thing? I've not really, I, I think I'd seen something about it ages ago, never sort of permeated my brain, and Ian mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, mm. um, and I, I've seen loads about it now yeah. these yeah. past few weeks and everybody's saying the same thing of oh yeah it's not really a horror film though is it 
And then you watched it and I was like, well, yeah, kind of is a horror film. It really blatantly is a horror film. Yeah. Like, and it, 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 but it, it's from people who would who would think that this is too much for people. I, I think would from people who like it, but they're too ashamed to admit they like a horror. Yeah, film. Yeah, would say I don't really like horror because they equate horror being Nightmare on Elm Street, um, right. Sorority Row. Most people, dull people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, what did you think of Edmund? Yeah. Um, just, I mean, just back onto what you were saying about like the marketing and stuff, or the lack thereof. Um, I, I think it is, it is a hard one to market. It's, it's a very intelligent horror movie. Um, that is more playing on philosophical kind of subject matter and playing to existential dread rather than fear yeah. of like a specific thing. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> it's just it, it, it's funny because it, it, Ian is somebody who has an existential dread. <laughs> just just day just, to day. Just, just, just day. You're susceptible to it, is what I mean there, Ian. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, I am. Right. <laughs> so there's, there's that there. He's what I'm saying there. Yeah. Whereas I don't have that out <laughs> to, to like a weird point. But it plays on on things like. Uh, personal identity reality um you know sort of things things like that what what is real what isn't real can can things be either turned to nonsense or willed into being just by the way they are spoken about and things like that and it's you know it's very it's a bit it's one of those that you come out the other end of and go yeah i'm gonna need to watch that again um but then there is there is sort of your more standard horror fare like teens dangling from a bridge the lady that stabs herself in the face with the scissors except she doesn't it's the empty man blah 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 blah. you know there's there's there is things that you could have used in say trailers and promo marketing that that would have kind of but then it would have got them in under false pretenses and then then you end up with just people going Oh, it not make any fucking sense because they're expecting it, it, a slasher. But it's a much common thing. It doesn't matter what the film is once you've got them sat down and paid the money to get in. Yeah, but they can still review it badly. Yeah, that, which is fair enough, which is why it's a different, it, it, a different mm. world now. But it, it, it's interesting what you said there, Joe, about the fact that the first 20 minutes or so of that, that pre credit sequence... Mm. The Italian bit. Is the Italian bit. Uh, <laughs> we accidentally watched it with Italian audio for the first 10 minutes. And then went, oh, so that's okay, right. His mouth's moving weird. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that is a fucking great horror movie. Yeah. Like, and then, but then you've got the the bit where it becomes, for a, a, a short amount of time, like a, a teen mm. horror movie. Mm. Then you've got this weird, um, like, police thriller bit. Yeah. And then you've got this psychological horror bit at the end. Yeah. It's, it's really good the fact that it bounces around in these parts. Mm. Yeah. It's like four different movies, isn't it? Yeah. And the great bit that holds it together is, I think, James Baddale. I, I think, I still think he's an incredibly underrated actor in the sense that everything he's in, he seems very naturalistic in. Mm. You know, the reactions that he has to things seem very real. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, so like the bit when he's doing that and you've got, which is a fucking, again, like you were saying there, John, 
filmmaking is so smart. The bit where you've got all of the the people moving oh. towards it. Oh, horrible. I find that is so horrible to watch. And, yeah. he, and, and then he takes a step backwards, and they take a step forwards, and then he takes a step back forwards, and they take one back, and, and then he does it again. But then you've got the great moment of him going, of, of James Bansdale, like I'm saying, being quite naturalistic and things going, yeah, no, and just fucking running. It's, that. And then when he gets back in the car, and he's just like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. yeah. And it, it, yeah, it is. It just it feels it feels quite real for him. I, I, I do have always liked him. He's a great character actor. And he's, he's well, he reacts magnetic like to watch. people would react. And a lot of times in horror movies, they don't. Mm. Um, it, it, it's it, people do something like you wouldn't you wouldn't fucking do that you wouldn't go upstairs it's, it's one of the classic ones and stuff like that but his reactions in it are like that's exactly what I would do yeah I'm so glad you guys mentioned that because I forgot it but that that was one of the things that really stood out to me in that moment just that yeah no no <laughs> yeah it, it's that is exactly what you would do. You know, it, it and it, you know, there, there, there's a case to be. Well, no, there, no, no, it's the opposite. There's not a case to be made for like, well, you wouldn't run out the, up the stairs, but it's like, yeah, but you don't know you're in a horror movie. That's the thing. This character doesn't know he's in a horror film. You know, like if he was, it's almost like if he knew he was in a horror film, he'd come out with some sort of quip. But no, instead, it's just like, n- n- no, yeah, no, no. And then what the fuck was that? You know, it, it, it's. And it it feels it almost feels funnier because it's more relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then Stephen Root turning up and just whenever Stephen Root turns up in anything, it, it, he elevates whatever he's doing, be it dramatic roles or comedy roles. He, he just makes everything better. Um, but then coming up and delivering like the speech out there, and then the, the little bit he gets with James Bash Dale is just it, it's it's so just drags you into everything mm. um that's kind of that, that comment of oh it's good to see you here again yeah i've never been here before is the start of like the weirdness and the pickier partiness isn't it really? yeah that's which that's become mm. this weird psychological mm. and like i think it's there in where it goes a bit jacob's ladder i was gonna just say jacob's ladder i missed that in i was taking the child some dinner oh no yeah i mean it, it's and it, but at the same time, it's also uh, probably my only major rev- reservation with the film is that I think there may be moments in the film that don't quite add up to the ending that you get. Like the mm-hmm. him saying, it's good to see you here again. It's like, why would he be saying anything that would, you know, because Stephen Root's character is for the let's get him let's have him be the empty man so why would he say weird shit to him um you know why i didn't quite get why that other girl was killed unless was it even though thinking about it was it that they were willing they were transmitting she's got to be killed and then the empty man was conjured to kill her. Is that what it was? Yeah. But then why did... 
Oh, okay. So then when Amanda goes missing at the start, is that to get him on the path to tracking down who the empty man is so he becomes the empty man? Yeah. And that's that's where I sort of... I've already seen it once, and my only interpretation with, like, not seeing that this film is stunning is the fact that I haven't quite got my head around the puzzle of it yet. And if all the actual pieces fit together, or if it is, if it if it's just a little bit hap, like it's just thrown together, it, which is like because I I felt like I was following it, and then when it, when it came and sort of twisted, I was just like, right, okay, maybe. But this scene before here and this scene, how how does that fit into it? And it mm-hmm. at the time felt a little bit. It's just a twist for twist's sake. Now, if somebody out there wants to make a video essay explaining this film to me and how it's not, then that would be wonderful. It's just at this time, I don't think I was smart enough with the first watch to actually see the coherence of it all. I'll, yeah, I'll definitely be re-watching it, and I, might, I think I might look at reading the, the graphic novel that it's based on. Yeah. It's interesting because the prologue kind of suggests that that's how the whole Empty Man thing comes over to the US. But then it's also, unless this just stuff just isn't reality, you know, but it's also insinuated that this shit was happening long before when that guy would have become possessed by the Empty Man. It, yeah, it, it, I, I, and I mean, like, you can go with the he's a puppet on a string throughout the entire thing. There is no free will whatsoever. Again, existential dread, no free will whatsoever. Yes, yeah, yep. But also a little bit of if there's no free will and I'm being controlled by something in a way that's quite comforting. So, yeah, I, I yeah. I, I, I just want to say again how the last 20 minutes of this film left me in a is this the simulation just really playing some sort of fucking sick joke on me because I've been talking about it too much. <laughs> so where are you in terms of rating? I thought it was great. But, but I probably the thing is I probably need another watch but I will never watch this film again. <laughs> where are you I, I, I think i think i actually will i think i will definitely watch this film again oh, yeah. um, just because i think i think the filmmaking is worth watching and i mean there's the scenes that i was talking about just before we got in the ratings is the scene in the opening where the the girl goes out she sees the empty man and it, it, it sort of sets you up for the scene with with the group of people is when like she takes a step forward and you can hear it in the snow, but then it doesn't cut. And all you hear is the, as the empty man starts running towards that, that freaked me out. I just thought that was so simple to do, but it has such a great, well, it got such a great reaction out of me. That's it. It's really smart. Well done filmmaking. It's, it's one of those where you're going, do you know what? I really want to see what this guy does next in terms of a, a, a director. And you hope that he gets 
the chance to do something else. Maybe he could be the filmmaker Ari Aster wishes he could be. <laughs> yep. No, I, I, but, what I really, really appreciate it. I, I like trash horror. I have a massive weakness for, for horror movies and most of them will get a pass from me because I, I like being scared. You know, the fucking Chernobyl Diaries is one of one of my most rewatched films and it's fucking trash. Um but it is it is nice when you occasionally do get what's kind of billed as an intention uh, intelligent sort of prestige horror that actually fucking lives up to what it's trying to do because it, it, it's a phrase that gets bandied about and so often is undeserved i despise that phrase you know there's nothing prestigious about making a shitty film that thinks it's better than its audience mm. so you definitely not shit definitely not shit Ian? definitely not shit we'll never watch again john yeah, definitely not shit. Um, I really did enjoy it quite a bit. Do yeah. we do we need to think of a rating specifically for me where I, I like a film, but I'll never watch it again because it reminds me of my own mortality slash fact that I'm in a simulation. <laughs> so, so I we, think thanks, I hate it covers, <laughs> covers a lot. I don't hate it. I don't appreciate, but you hate. Oh, okay. Okay. What? How were you fucking pronouncing Johnny Mnemonic earlier on? Mnemonic. It's mnemonic. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I've just thought of another scene which actually made me say like out loud, what the fuck? And that is Under the Bridge. Oh like, yeah. Just the way they actually yeah. did that scene and, yeah. and, and how how it was revealed. I that was I was probably like, Oh Christ. I, I kind of wasn't expecting that. Yeah, no, that was good, yeah. Yeah, I I I would definitely shit will watch again probably fairly soon to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Uh, just because I wanna just go right right now I know what it, now I know what it's about. Can I have a look at piecing it together? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would just say I'm glad Lottie is not like Amanda because Amanda, right from the first scene, I would have killed her with fire. <laughs> because it, of a bad haircut. Is that because of the uh, <laughs> the, 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 the haircut? It, I mean, the haircut, not great, but it's like, I, I, God, I mean, sorry to the okay, the bridge sequence where she's with her friends and like you got to blow in the bottle, blah blah blah. What, what was that then? Like in terms of the reality of the film, what was that? That yeah, it, it was. She was literally bullying her friend, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. I think she was part of it, and she was she was recruiting them yeah. as food for the empty man. Basically. Oh yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, was that, that, oh, yeah. Yeah, she was. Oh, that's it. I, I think that's yeah, she just didn't like her friends and always wanted to kill them, basically. <laughs> yeah. She was she 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 lured them there, essentially as fodder for the empty man. Yeah. Oh, horrible. Well, to be honest, I think also, <laughs> um, it was fodder for the empty man, but it was to get the investigation started. Yeah. Uh... So, so so to give um, James Badgedale's person his like the drive to move forward. <laughs> as that as that added more to your. <laughs> 
dread, Ian. I really don't like it. Well, but also, the thing, that one guy says been... Sorry, go on. No, it, it probably makes it a better film, because that track, like, in my head, that tracks. And it's like, yeah, that makes complete sense. Fuck it. it. Oh, God. This, oh, God, I hate it. With your existential <laughs> fantasy, when was the last time you watched Angel Heart? Fuck you. <laughs> I just, I don't think you could go watching that now. I can't deal so with it. For next week, we'll be reviewing. <laughs> no. I, oh, Jesus Christ! I, I, you know, I'd rather watch a fucking Cronenberg film at the moment because yeah. at least that's like shit. I can, you know. There's probably not a parasitic fucking sex worm around. And I don't know if there is, at least I'll have a good time before it ends. But yeah, but, the fucking... but, but Mickey Rock screaming at the void, I know who I am. <laughs> I really want to rewatch Angel Heart and you keep saying no. Oh. I'll t- tell you another one I'm never going to fucking watch again. In the Mouth of Madness. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, our audience poll on Empty Man, by the way, it was definitely not shit. 83% and touching costs 17%. Good. Fair play. Uh, we have one question. That sounds good, that In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, it's very good. If it's Do You Read Sutter Kane, I'm chucking my laptop out right now. <laughs> if it's what? You what? need to... You... Have you seen In the Mouth of Madness, Bex? No. Right. Okay. It's it's a line from that. Oh, okay. No. No. We'll, we'll, we'll watch it this week, Bex. Oh, thank you. Well, they've got to get round to it on the blank check, Ian. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to rewatch it. I'm going to I'm going to listen to them talk about it. You have to rewatch it as well, though, surely, to like. What, you? No, no. <laughs> I've seen that film twice. And never again. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to it more now that you're scared of it. How about Mark? You buy him <laughs> in the mouth of madness on Blu-ray. I send it to him and I'll buy him to man and send it to him. No. <laughs> because I won't watch it. I'll kill it with fire and then some sort of Cthulhu demon will fucking spring out of it and take me out of my misery. <laughs> oh, God. God, that sequence in Empty Man as well. The, oh. the, um, the underground sequence was really quite gory and very well done as well. God, actually, I really did enjoy that movie. Yeah, it's fucking great, the Empty Man. Um, and one question, Rick Kidd at Rick J. Kidd. With visionary director being used a lot and a Suicide Squad trailer mentioning the horribly beautiful mind of James Gunn, what descriptions should be used for what directors in promos? E.g. for Christopher Nolan, you could use time bending. Oh, God, that's a good one. Stunningly meticulous David Fincher. (laughs) Yes. Featuring the hunger-inducing animation of Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> Man draws good ramen. What can you say? From the potentially the white... rapey mind of Brett Ratner. 
<laughs> the wide shot loving David Lean. Oh, there you go. The slow mo boobing Michael Bay. That's pretty good. Stage <laughs> back up on that one, actually. Yeah. You're just being quiet because you can't think of one. And you're hoping that no one will notice. I'm trying to think of one. The no, incredibly sweary Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> The forgetting Sarah Marshall E. Nicholas Stoller. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of one. That's fair. (laughs) Stop looking at me so intensely then. (laughs) Freaking me out. What have we got next week here? The probably playing NBA 2K 21-ing John Carpenter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. I made it a mission to myself about nine hours ago to have a look at what was uh, coming up this week. And I failed that mission. I actually don't know what's coming up this week, Mark. So I'm frantically looking at the coming soon on Netflix. Thunder Force! Yes! <laughs> Thunder Force? The fuck is Thunder Force? It's the that Melissa is, uh... McCarthy Octavia Spencer superhero film. Oh, God. So we said we review if nothing else was out. And I don't think anything else is out. Oh, if you could, God. if you could find me something else, then so be it. Well, we're reviewing that as well, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch it. Uh, what even is Friday? The tenth, is it? The ninth. The ninth. Uh, films out ninth April. <laughs> we can review Falcon and the Winter Soldier if you want. Oh, uh, it's uh, uh High Noel. It's meh. Hi, Mark. Oh, uh, Mike. It's uh, it's all right. Just to, I don't know, trigger them. I'm being, <laughs> a, I'm being a stinker. I'm sorry. Oh, isn't that Voyagers out as well? Not over here, is it? It's getting a theatrical only in the US. Is it? All oh, right, there you go. What do you think of the trailer for Loki, Ian? Uh, oh, so, I'm so sorry. Um, we've reached the point where I've probably had too many drinks. Um, Loki, I yeah, I mean it, it, it looks good. It looks fun. I need it to be fun. The thing about the Winter Soldier is it's not fun. Yeah, it doesn't look, look fun. I've not watched any of it. I, I just doesn't appeal to me i don't L- largely i'm not gonna lie largely because of anthony mackie he, he's 100 phoning it in in falcon and the winter soldier um mm-hmm. george, george just to maybe give a fucking uh balance as if we're a news program what, what you you've been watching it haven't you i have watched i haven't watched last friday's episode um i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying the weekly slice of marvel cake that they want to give us i I haven't enjoyed it as much as one division but i think that's because it was actually delivering something different and giving us a little a little bit more style a little bit Mm. more 
I think intelligent storytelling and, and sort of giving us in snippets and amping up the mystery where this is just plain old Marvel, which I said, that I don't have any issues with that and I'm enjoying it, but I think I'll probably enjoy Loki and WandaVision more. Yeah, that's my thing with it. It's just like, it's just setting the world, isn't it? Whereas WandaVision was like a, a, a bottle series and Loki seems like it's doing alternate universe weird shit. So I'm, I'm just I'm just not here for just following Anthony Mackie around the real world. Well, I've enjoyed the first two episodes of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Have you? Oh, that's yeah. good. I genuinely have enjoyed it. You're watching a TV thing? I am watching a TV thing, yeah. That's not allowed. Well, it's Mighty Ducks, so I'm going to watch it. You shit all over TV, though. And I shit on those Marvel things that you have to watch so you can watch the movie. It's bullshit. Get the fuck. Um, George, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Rebecca. You are very welcome. Thank you, you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. For joining us. That makes much more sense. Yeah. Ian, <laughs> thank you much for joining us. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. And uh, Thanks for hosting that. Yeah. Chaotically and with mispronounced words, but. That's my style. No, that's your whole and thing. We'll be back with what is sure to be one of our um, highest rated episodes next week as we review Thunder Force. <laughs> yep. Boom. <laughs> I thought that I watched the trailer too and then completely forgot it existed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I did all the, the, the bits. Oh, Patreon. Give me some fucking money. Um, bye. Now he creeps, punks and freaks. I'm talking about virus from the streets. Spread that virus. Go for hell. Check out the resistance of your cell. Smoke some dough. Waste your brain. Kick your head. Two, one.
podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.